This episode of Watch Out for Fireballs Dispatch is brought to you by our patrons. Go to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv. You too can join them. Thank you. Field. My name is Cole Ross. And you're listening to Watch Out for Fireballs Dispatch, the monthly Patreon show where we answer your questions, uh, read your responses this month's games, announce what's happening next time, and then proceed to answer more questions. What? What? Yeah. What? Uh, <laughs> we have a lot of questions uh, in the hopper here, uh, and we're ki- we we kind of don't have a topic in us today. I just 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 yeah. just gonna, gonna reveal that to you. So we're gonna kill two you guys birds. Did fine. <laughs> yeah, you guys did fine. It's entirely yeah. on us. Instead of doing a, an extended topic, uh, we're going to answer more questions than usual. Yeah, we're just going to keep doing questions until uh, until we can until the feelings go away. Um, <laughs> every, everybody did a good job at giving us interesting topics. Yeah, uh, but yeah, just like a, an amount of brain power uh, that neither of us have due to uh, circumstances, motions, no, everything. My, my upbringing, my upbringing. Yeah, yeah, my upbringing <laughs> mostly. Like you know, just uh, just just how we're doing in the world. Yeah. <laughs> so don't worry about us. We're okay. Yeah, yeah, uh, but not topic okay. Yes. You know, what, what a, what an embar like a true, but embarrassing <laughs> level of <laughs> degree of sensitivity. <laughs> like, uh, you ever, you ever just like wake up and you're just like, I'm a clown. Everyone on earth is a clown. And this is all just fucking clown town, uh-huh. the clown planet. Like the planet is the ice cream cone clown <laughs> and should just be devoured by like a, a child galactus yeah i think about that a lot park. and i start describing things as like clown town and stuff but then i remember that like uh what is it online chuds. Clowns. well I mean, well yeah i mean what would what, what clowns ever do but online chuds have their whole honkler thing where they're t- trying to turn yeah look up look up clown world in relation to like white supremacy oh, and stuff yes yeah yeah no so, so i tried to <laughs> i know right I, I know i know we can't let them have it right i i definitely agree that it's just it's circus times just generally uh, like both you know on both the micro uh, and macro level uh but uh but yeah I, I it's one of those things where if i can avoid it i don't want to i don't want to be mistaken for uh for indulging in a trope that at least was in use by them like you know a year ago yeah. Do you, do you ever uh, two things, two comments? One, uh, I am the great white supremacist Pagliacci. I don't know if that's something. But two, uh, do you ever think that we, you and I think too much? Like <laughs> that we get really wrapped around the Axel Brown shit like that. That if we went and talked to seven hundred people in our town, all of them would think we were absolutely insane for caring about that. Oh yeah, yeah. And that we live in this like fantasy world in which none of the things that we worry about are real. Um. Yeah. No. That's that. That's. Uh, but but that, that's part of my meta upset. I am, I am both upset about things and also upset about the things that I'm upset about. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no. Just on top of it. Just the, just the, just the many different ways ridiculous. that I feel myself, you know, and other, yeah. and, and by you know, extension, others around me and the world fails you, Yep. you know, and, and also none of it is actually a failure. Cause you can go outside and like, 
eat a pulled pork sandwich under a nice breeze. Yeah. And uh-huh. stuff. It is, it is a complicated uh, existence we got going on here. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Uh, and, and none of it is real and all of it's real and I'm not high. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying stuff like that. It's, it's a, there's a lot going on. Anywho, Mark Mahler says, uh, the next Metal Slug game <laughs> on this are arguably lighter affair. No, I appreciate it. Metal, yeah, no, I, I, yeah. <laughs> I just, it's very funny. Like, hmm, what's going on with Metal Slug? Uh, the next Metal Slug game was just revealed to be a turn-based tactics game, which might be cool, but also a little bit odd. If you had your druthers, which old IP would you like to see converted into a tactics style game? Hmm. Old. Oh, well, I mean, so we kind of inadvertently answered this on a recent, um, on a recent mm-hmm. uh, Abject Suffering, but we 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 proposed the idea of Castlevania, but in Divinity Original Sin two, uh, yeah. that, like 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 that engine. Uh, I would be down That'd for be cool. like Resident Evil or something like that in a turn based uh, like XCOM like, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, that like that, like doing that, like the, like the weird subplots about like, you know, military super soldiers and stuff that just doesn't work when you're playing it as an over the shoulder shooter survival horror game that I think would be acceptable in a tactical kind of, kind of thing where you're dealing with BOWs, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, we talked about it a bunch, but like there is one of those on Japanese cell phones that we'll never get to play. Of course. I'm yeah. very curious. Um, part of me, I, I went through the, I'm so up in my head today. Mm-hmm. My, my, cause I didn't want to do the Resident Evil answer or the X-Men answer, which are the ones that I've, I've used a lot. Right. Um, X-Men isn't an old IP for video games, but I was going to say like, you know, it'd be cool. It'd be a Mega Man oh, because know. of how you acquire abilities. And then I was like, the second I say that. Someone is going to tell me to play the Mega Man Battle Network games again, mm, and yeah, I promise yeah. I've tried, and they're they're annoying to me. Yeah, um, and and can't do it. But I think that a more traditional Mega Man uh, kind of thing would be really cool because after you like you know picking up powers off of dead units, yeah, yeah. is a cool idea. I was about to use say, so you know the idea in fighting games where you're constantly anticipating the uh, the person's next move. Yomi. Yomi. Yomi, I believe is it the, is. I was about to posit the, the like posit the idea of uh, like discursive Yomi that we get into in this, but I think that what mm-hmm. that actually is just is just a, a different flavor of social anxiety. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just it's just anxiety. Yeah, but yeah social Yomi is a way, <laughs> like a, a a much more elegant way of saying it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, I'm not. I'm not medicated for anxiety. <laughs> I'm I, I'm uh, enhancing my social Yomi. <laughs> 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 yeah. uh, uh, I mean, so here, like, here's a here's a series that recently underwent a uh, a genre change that uh, that that I think was you know I haven't played much of the game, but it makes me hesitant. Uh, Yakuza going from a beat 'em up to a standard JRPG. I mean, if you're mm-hmm. going to do anything, why would you do the standard JRPG when you have the ability to do, to do like a te- you know a tactical brawler kind of thing? Yeah, you know. Well, it's because for some reason, part of the identity of that series is that you have to fight a million guys. Right, right. And uh, JRPG is a slower way to do that mm-hmm. than beat them up. But tactics would be even slower. Tactics, So yeah. that's going to be the next generation where you spend, <laughs> you know, they really just don't, they only want you to do karaoke and stuff. Like they're yeah. really trying to discourage you from ever engaging with the core mechanics. Yeah. But just stepping into a, you know, into a CD pool bar, right? And then just seeing the combat grid pop up and it's like, yeah. oh shit, I have just enough AP to like get to the, get to the pool table and, gr- and throw a cue ball at a guy. I hope that he, oh, he's going to, he broke a bottle. Like, think about how yeah. awesome that would be. <laughs> like, you, you invented a way cooler genre shift for them than the one they chose. Yes. So. <laughs> 
Charlotte says, uh, this probably is not meaty enough to call for a main topic, but could you guys talk a little about UI? It's heavily important in many games, uh, but is such a given that I never hear anyone talk about it unless it's bad or complicated. Discuss. I think there's a reason for that, for why you don't hear it talked about. It's one of those things where, you know, it's like a film editor. If you if they're doing their job really well, you're kind of not noticing it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, it's also something that I find um, similar to like a fashion souls thing where like I have a, a smaller degree of sensitivity to it than a lot of people. There's no judgment or qualitative, mm-hmm. you know, statement in that. It's just I tend to see through UI yeah um better than like or not better uh easier than some of my peers yeah um you know so like to me a very standard uh ui that is like my health and stamina is in the upper left the item i'm using is in the lower left Mm -hmm. the mini maps in the upper right like the weapon i have equipped is in the lower right like that just works uh for me no problem yeah um yeah and I don't get uh, kind of wrapped around the axle around how like elegant something is or or uh, how much space it takes up. You know, I'm I'm raised in the PC mind, so like the gameplay zone being a smaller zone than the entire screen doesn't bug me. Yeah. And I I don't think video games are generally immersive, so like the the non UI mode mm-hmm. that people will do for like Dark Souls or like a Ghost of Tsushima or something like that in order to like fully appreciate the beauty is something that is lost on me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the big thing I want is text I can read from my couch. Um, that's an accessibility thing as well as a UI thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I really like control over that. Yes. Um, and and obviously, like, subtitles, that's only kind of UI. But I would consider it kind of part of that. Yeah. So, so for me, the, the function. That's what still I worry about. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I I I like a UI that is uh, the, the that is made to be used with a uh, with, with a controller, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's how I play the majority of my games. Um, I think that is you know that is one thing that raises a lot you know a lot of people's ire. You know, especially as like long running PC series kind of made the move to be um, both console and PC. Like it reverts to the console mean. So they say like, ah, I love the UI in Morrowind, but when they you know by the time I got to Skyrim, I couldn't use it because it was made for a controller. I I, I think that that actually is 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 a bit of a a bit of a false choice. Like, I, like I don't see, yeah. I don't see that trade-off going. I think it is, it just needs to function the way that it needs to function without committing like weird sins where there's bad, uh, like like weird cardinal sins or moral sins where there's, you know, it's unclear when you go to, you know, exit exit of something. Uh, if I'm going to lose something or like, you know, it'll say cancel and then cancel or okay. And it's like, all right, do I click cancel to cancel? Like that double confirmation? Yes, or, or, like, am I, or am I canceling the cancel? Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, another pet peeve I have is um, a non, like just using color to indicate the active option. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when there are two options, you know, <laughs> I hate that so, so it's much. like, you know, yeah, whether it's white or red, like, I don't know which one of those means the highlight. Uh-huh. Uh huh. If I'm just flipping back and yeah. forth between them, that's pretty shitty. Yeah. If I press left and right, it cycles. So I don't, yeah. uh, I don't know if you're going to do that, make it so it doesn't cycle. So I can say, okay, I can't press left anymore when the left one is yellow. So I'll click, I guess that means yellow means it's active. Uh, here's yeah. one that I think that every single game should have now, like the person who invented this should never have to work again because they had a good idea. When you go to quit mm-hmm. a game, the uh, warning or the text that's in the menu that says it has been X minutes since your last save. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. 
if you're not going to have like an auto save. Yes. Uh, and then like, like final UI, this wasn't asking us about UI pet peeves, but like, uh, I don't like it when I can't quit to desktop, mm-hmm. uh, on a game. Give me the, like, are you sure? Yeah. But don't make me quit to my profile, then quit to the menu, then mm-hmm. quit to desktop. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That kind of layered bullshit uh, is an insult. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I don't want it. I, I can I can just kind of tell. It's kinda like uh, it's kinda like when the checkout uh winds you through a cattle uh, a cattle blind or a cattle run of uh impulse yeah. purchases. No, fuck you. You're just trying to make it so I don't leave. <laughs> yeah. Especially now. Right. Like today? <laughs> the mood we're in in, in this economy. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Leo asks, do any horror games come to mind that don't get enough credit? If so, why do you think they're overlooked? And I'm going to read this nice compliment because we're both in a bad mood. Okay. Uh, Also, WAF means a great deal to me. Thank you both for creating something so exceptional. Your efforts are deeply appreciated. Thank you, Leo. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Horror games that don't get enough credit. This is probably more your Ballywick. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Uh, like looking back, uh, I think that there's, you know, uh, a, a good amount of stuff from like the PS2 era. Um, I think that, um, uh, uh, Echo Knight and Echo Knight Beyond do not get their, uh, do not get their proper due, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, their proper shrift. Like those are extremely good horror games, uh, that are like weird and different than other things that you have played. I think Echo Knight Beyond even more so than the original, uh, is, uh, is something where, uh, you know, you don't see people talk about it and, you know, that might be a function of the fact that basically nobody bought it. So no copies exist. So therefore it is extremely expensive to get a hold of now. But like, uh, yeah. you know, in like the like the, the 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 broader analysis, looking back, I think that that is a bigger, more important, uh, more important entry kind of into the canon, especially given you know, how that predated the move to, you know, first person horror as kind of like the standard uh, kind of deal, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. Um, I think Darkwood was real scary. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Is yeah. that overhead, like isometric kind of, you're mm-hmm. out, you're stuck in a cabin? Yeah. Right? You think I, the right one? I tried streaming that, but I got really frustrated with it. It was ex- It was very difficult, and it made me think, like, yeah, I probably actually shouldn't try to stream this because of how hard it is, because I'm just going to I'm just gonna get irritated that I'm not putting on a good show. Uh, but yeah, yeah. I, I have no idea how it would stream. Yeah. Like, as, as just a... Uh, I never went back to it. I played mm-hmm. it for a while, but it succeeded in being very spooky. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was... Uh, I, th- I thought that was real good. Um, no. And then there's also, like, just a number of games, you know, I am always going to go go to bat for, for Rule of Rose, uh, because I think that that is uh, exceptionally creepy um, and tells a much more kind of, like, sophisticated and elegant story than any number of horror games were doing at the time. Um, and mm-hmm. that and that is one that just it is not a part of the conversation and is, you know, generally not appreciated widely again because nobody bought it. And, you know, individual copies now are like, you know, you go to a games expo and it is one of the like top shelf glass case games, you know. Yeah. Isn't the uh, the the control and combat in that game real dog shit? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's uh, the, the, my, the, my the understanding. The, 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 the combat specifically is, is, is not, is not great shakes at all. And that's kind of the, like the main reason that I haven't insisted that we cover it on the show, because there are moments where I think this would be an act of cruelty to Gary actually uh, yeah. to get, you know, to I get through flip it. Flip a table. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what does a uh, inter-party conflict say? 
Interparty Conflict says, first person, third person, top down, and isometric. You have to choose one type of view for all games moving forward. Uh, in fact, all games will be remade from the chosen view, for better and for worse. Oh, God, I love this. Uh, what view do you choose and why? Top down. Mm. Top down. Yeah, top down is a good answer. Yeah. Uh, for that. Like, you can do, even though, like, top down, like, platforming sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you're probably going to lose Like, you're losing a genre no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. On this. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I might say third person. Yeah. I might. Hmm. It would be really tricky to do things, but I can imagine kind of a third person, uh, kind of tactics thing which thus means you can do an rpg with it yeah yeah you know you shunt over to your party members and you're behind their shoulder Mm -hmm. or their sholdер yeah i mean and and what you're what you're describing basically is uh kodor or mass effect at that point yeah which like i don't i i don't want divinity original sin to be in the kotor engine like that's a disgusting sentence i just (laughs) said (laughs) uh I, I think that I might do it just for getting a wider berth of things. Yeah. Like I could still play, you know, Deus Ex. I could still play tactics games, mm-hmm. you know, but yeah, this is, this is, this is a hard one. This is a real uh, devil's bargain. It really is. Yeah. There. I, I favor yeah. top down, you know, like, especially, and even over isometric because isometric that, that I think is very tricky to pull off. There are some great games oh, yeah. that are in that, but then there's also, you know, Monkey's Paul Wish. Here's, you know, any number of Euro platformers from the 8 and 16-bit yeah. era, you know. You you lose all action games, basically. Yeah, yeah. I don't uh, want to with, do that. With isometric. Yeah. You top- know, you, you can kind of do some Zelda stuff, but. Mm-hmm. The top down, it gives you the most information. And I think that the more information that you have gives you the ability to obscure information, and it gives you the most flexibility as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see, uh, vaping with dad. Good, uh, good handle here. Uh, you know, kind of start out, we edited this because there was a little bit of a spoiler for Disco Elysium and we still want people to play that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we kind of summarize around that. Um, they say, while I was liking Disco Elysium from the go, I really started loving it when in day three, I finally passed a check to get through an adversarial character. I realized that this time I'd gone from disliking him to actually understanding him as I realized he wasn't an entirely bad guy. My question is this, what is your best example of a moment where you realized that a specific game you were playing wasn't just a good game, but actually something very special? How does a game make that jump? I uh, love the show. Appreciate all your work. Thanks. Yeah. We're reading the compliments this episode. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah like be- best example because it's there's lots of things we can point like i can think about that make that shift happen yeah yeah you know uh to me but best example is uh is a little bit trickier mm-hmm. um for uh for me um probably uh the moment when due to kind of like alt itis and the first level being hard i did uh liberty island and deus ex a second time and had the characters react differently mm. to what i had done um you know uh you know told me i'd like because the game was one of the first uh, immersive sims and first person rpgs i ever played mm-hmm. and uh it has the cadence of a shooter so the first time i sat down with it i did play it like a shooter yeah, yeah. uh and then the second time i played it and was like this is really hard this doesn't work and then had you know my brother paul congratulating me and uh gunter yelling at me for being a wuss <laughs> i was like shit this is actually this game cares what i how i play it not just you know what's happening in the narrative yeah 
Yeah. Um, I'm going to go to just kind of a standard one for me, but I think uh, kind of the entire last dungeon of Silent Hill 2, basically, where mm-hmm. you're dealing with... Uh, like, like mostly the, 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 the one that comes through to me is, uh, Angela, like the way that her, uh, her story, um, wraps up with, uh, her walking up the flaming staircase after you give her the knife. Um, you know, like that to me, was like, yeah, okay. And then, and then she says, you know, for me, it's like this all the time that unlocked something about that series for me generally that it Mm. is kind of about different perceptions of the world and that it is, you know, not just a one size fits all ironic hell. Um, and you know, obviously when you get to the, uh, the hallway where the tape from Mary plays, uh, that as well, uh, you know, that was kind of a revelation to me about games being able to tell, you know, a kind of grown up story or as grown up story as you can have where, you know, a fat guy eats pizza in a bowling alley. Um, and it goes town yeah. with a little girl, you know. Yeah, in three. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the adult story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and I, you know, I, I go back to something that's kind of stereotypical because if you know, thinking of the best example, I think of like the first time that like something hit me that hard, you know, and the first time I realized yeah. that the game could do that, right? Yeah. Well, it's just uh, that you know the question was just like a, a notable yeah moment. So I think that counts. Yeah. You know, it doesn't have to be like absolutely, you know, later games would go and build on this stuff because that's how, yeah. how it works. That's how art works. Uh, yeah. Dallas writes, have you ever played the newer South Park RPG games? And what are your thoughts on South Park in general? I don't know if I have ever heard you mention it. The RPGs have been really good and really funny. If you like South Park, of course. Yeah. Uh, I don't think either of us are big South Park guys. Um, I probably at least in part unfairly associate them with like cowardly centrism, you know, like every, everything is dumb because at the time I was trying to give it a shot, they Mm -hmm. were leaning really hard into that. Um, I know people who like it, Mm -hmm. uh, who I trust. So I imagine there's more to it than that, but the well is a little bit poisoned Yeah, yeah, for me, uh, you know, um, and I never got into the games, even though I've heard that they do interesting things for the JRPG genre. Mm hmm. Um, for me, it was maybe a little too, little too late. I think that if I, they had hit me at a different time when I was more hungry mm-hmm. for that kind of thing, um, you know, a small numbers, uh, JRPG that has some innovations would have been something I wanted as opposed to something that just kind of patches over some stuff that gets in the way of the genre for me in general. Yeah. I am curious about them. I have been curious about them because it is an obsidian game that I haven't played, but similar to mm-hmm. Gary, you know, you can go and listen we did a, an abject suffering game or an abject, abject suffering uh, episode about the terrible South Park first person shooter from the 32 bit, 62 bit era. era. Um, and we, we absolutely um, uh, excoriate it for what you mentioned there for that kind of, you know, we're going to make fun of everybody. We're in the center. Uh, you know, everything is equally kind of contemptible uh, kind of deal. Uh, whether mm-hmm. or not that is currently fair, fair or true, or has always been fair or true, I think that when when you're talking about something that has been running for as long as South Park has and has made like such big, I think, kind of swings into commentary, something with that much history is necessarily going to have that much baggage. And I am holding that baggage kind of against against those games, while also you know you know having people who I know trust and like recommend those th- those games to me. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's, it's like so many things. It's a function of your limited time on earth and you have to use a heuristic. Mm-hmm. 
you know, so it may be true that like there are episodes of that, like it almost is guaranteed mm-hmm. there are episodes of that show that you or I would like. I mean, and there like, were like I watched it a lot, you know, up like up up till about halfway through college, and then it just kind of drifted away, like I did from a lot of television, you know. Yeah, but the 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 idea that in spite of that you should pursue it or dig through that stuff is rooted in an idea that it is somehow like virtuous or good mm-hmm. or worth your time to experience all of the good things. Yeah, as if that weren't a comic impossibility. Right. You know, so like that's why we end up using heuristics like for me, the two things that are like three things really that are here, you know, even though I know that I would probably like some episodes of that or this could also like not to beat up on South Park could apply to like American Dad. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which people keep telling me is like, no, 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 it's not very family guy ish. It's actually very funny. Mm-hmm. Um, the The look of the show. Like, mm-hmm. looks bad to me. The voices are annoying. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has that family guy stink. Those aren't, like, good reasons to condemn it to to hell. Like, I don't want the creators flogged. Mm-hmm. But it is a good reason for me just to watch other stuff instead. Yeah. You know, because there's a lot of stuff that I, I think I have a better chance of liking that don't have those negative modifiers on it. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, like, after I spend that hour or two, I will have also watched something I like. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's no scarcity. It's mm-hmm. not a it's not a thing where like I have to get all the good stuff. Yeah. Um, something that I just <laughs> will love about the I think it was the second one they did this, the uh the South Park RPGs. There's a difficulty option um the where you can pick, okay, do I do I want this to be easy or hard? Uh easy mode has your character be white, hard mode has your character be black. <laughs> yeah. Which, that is that is a cute touch for sure. Yes, I have you no know. idea if that again, actually impacts the impacts the mechanics, but I think that is clever and funny. Yeah, but you you got all the joy out of that without actually having to play the game. True. Yeah, just by reading. You know, it's it's one of those it. things where like yeah. people will sometimes pitch things and they'll pitch it based on one selling point like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, so it's it's like the like necessary but not sufficient. Yeah, yeah. Thing like a, a selling point is necessary i need to have some point of interest but it's mm-hmm. not enough to get me to actually take a plunge yeah no. you know? um molten burl that is such a good uh, username it's, it's really good <laughs> uh, yeah uh says what games or mechanics would you consider unrepeatable the industry is very much about repetition and ips but are there any games uh that you're glad didn't get follow-ups or spiritual sequels games that having any more of them would lessen the original Hmm. Uh, I, I got an answer for this. If if you're if you want some thinking time, yeah, I would like some um, thinking time on this. Yeah. I uh, I generally don't think that uh, subsequent works lessen originals, right? And things. Um, I would rather have the subsequent work than not, because it is always you know an option to me whether I indulge in it. And I think about something like um, Tides of Numenera, which you know follow up to one of the best games of all time again it's incredibly important to me uh ended up being ultimately not as good mm-hmm. you know but i was enriched by being able to uh appreciate it on its own merits yeah so them you know doing a spiritual successor to that and making kind of an ip follow-up um i still got a lot of value out of that after i adjusted my expectations mm-hmm. and i can still go back and and play the original it doesn't it isn't going anywhere um, so the idea that the original is lessened, uh, is something I generally kind of don't buy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, personally, but, and that ties into what I was talking about in the last question, like, you know, the no scarcity, gotta have a heuristic <laughs> thing. Yeah. 
this is one where I, I'm I'm not basing this on like oh they couldn't do it again uh, because it's, it's it's not the case they did they did do it again but this is like I'll just say this uh, Portal is not replicable is mm. is what I have kind of you know determined like Portal Two is an extremely good game I would say you know it it it, stand, it stands up against the original expands and ha- and has really good ideas they also did different stuff and didn't do kind of the exact same um you know kind of shtick with it mm-hmm. I think that like after that came out there was kind of a glut um of like first person puzzle kind of games i'm thinking of like quantum conundrum alone yeah i was gonna be suffered enough i was gonna beat up on quantum conundrum which i just found kind of kind of kind of kind of boring um (laughs) you know story about my uncle uh kind kind of a bunch of stuff like that where i just kind of dipped in thinking okay yeah it's gonna it's gonna be a portal like and they just kind of you know defined the genre so much and knocked it out of the park and then moved moved on you know refined it and knocked it even further further out of the park and then went away forever and that is not a you know a set of shoes that anybody can really like step into if they're trying to do a lot of the same things you know i think that it it fractured off and like what we end up getting is like a stanley parable or beginner's guide that you know that 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 takes the uh you know the meta examples of the uh of the uh, combative narrator and you know uh, the, the the glados type kind of thing uh and and, yeah. and expounds upon that i i personally think that like to me though um like you know this is this is i'm not telling you anything you don't know mm-hmm. but like never is a cursed word oh yeah so um, yeah <laughs> you know i i want people to try those things not mm-hmm. just because we get things like stanley parable that are great in their own right um but also i just feel like Almost any time. I'm not saying you're doing this. Yeah. But any time you're like, no one's ever going to do this. You're wrong. Oh yeah. Uh, long you know, enough time. Somebody scale. very yeah. well could rec- recreate that lightning in a bottle, and mm-hmm. we just haven't thought about what it would be like yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hundred percent. That that's a little bit why I felt better picking it like a, a, a historical example where it, like it hasn't been captured yet, as opposed to drawing mm-hmm. out and saying like no, like they they like they they couldn't theoretically do it. A lot of people have like have have come for it and so far been so far been unsuccessful. You know. Yeah. Which is more what I'm saying than it's not going. It's just not me. You're just not going to happen because of some you know. Uh, let's say function or quality of the universe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I don't, I don't, I don't think that in this kind of medium, there are hard and fast laws like that. Right. You right. know, and again, I'm not saying that you're saying that there are, mm-hmm. uh, I'm just saying that like, uh, you know, I want people to keep trying because we're going to just, you know, people are going to stumble upon stuff that we didn't realize was mm-hmm. possible, uh, which is a feature. Yeah. That's good. So to, so to me, you know, the idea that anything, uh, it just doesn't like quantum conundrum was pretty lame it the only thing it hurt was the fact that I got it being kind of excited, mm-hmm. you know, like all the damage was was me being disappointed. Yeah, yeah, and that's okay, mm. you know, uh, to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see here. Oh. Da- Danny writes: uh, the devil calls you in as consultants uh, for a redesign of hell. You are each allowed to pick one video game developer sin uh, and decide on its ironic punishment. Oh, let me let me stop you right there. Hell Tycoon? <laughs> oh, That's a cool idea, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I like that. I like know Dungeon that Master like, or Dungeon Maker? Mm-hmm. Or, uh, God, what am, what am I thinking? Yeah, Dungeon Keeper. Yeah. Dungeon Keeper. Yeah, but like Hell Tycoon? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. No, no. Just thinking about I, Hell Tycoon. I'm thinking about Hell Tycoon. 
24 7 yeah. i'll take those rent free in my fucking dick it's time to go uh they say feel free to choose either ethical sins or bad game design ones uh danny says uh their choice would be uh uh, anyone who put a fill the meter to fuck the girl a mechanic into a game gets endlessly spammed with useless gifts from people trying to fill their relationship meter. Yeah. What are the gaming sins and how would we ironically punish them? Yeah. Well, I immediately went to like, you know, cause they mentioned ethical sins, like any, any studio, you know, like, you know, executive or like, you know, high level producer who mandates crunch. It's like, oh, we're going to force you, you know, you're, you're going to have to live through missing milestones in your family and your kids, uh, you know, for eternity. Like you just can't be there. We're going to, we're going to click you. You're going to get clicked. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Y'all getting clicked, you know, or they could just get, uh, crunched between like an ogre's jaw. Ooh. You know, you like crunch, do you? You like unpaid overtime, do you? Uh, yeah, how about unpaid overbite from Ogre? Um, the, uh, yeah, the, the uh, and then obviously, like, you know, any kind of sexism or racism is shitty, but I don't, you know, I, I don't want to just be like, well, gets, you know what, I would actually listen it. to him. <laughs> yeah, you know, like, I don't want to come off like, like that dude. Like, obviously, that stuff matters. Right. Yeah. Uh, I would also want the crunch exec. Mm-hmm. Uh, fucking captain crunched um i i i would take uh bland repetitive tapa 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 encounters to their like horrible and mm-hmm. you know like every single fight gives you point zero 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 one experience mm-hmm. you know, or something like that yeah. you know and it just it's it's every step like every time you move you, yeah. you do that yeah the slime time Oh, um, so I would take, uh, uh, like the, oh gosh, triple a, uh, kind of open world map bloat, uh, to, to, Mm -hmm. to, to, to an extreme as well, uh, and put people into like maze like situations where literally everything had like a little call out over top of it, like vying ever more insistently for its attention to the point where it was impossible for them to prioritize it to prioritize anything. Yeah. (laughs) check this out uh drag out uh we're getting into cenobite shit here drag out somebody's eyes and make it so they look at themselves like a running towards the camera puzzle oh shit and they have to navigate the world looking in the rear view oh Uh, they can never see what they're walking towards yeah oh i like that quite a bit Yeah, Cenobite hours. Um, and then, and then Real they, Cenobite hours. Cenobite reporting for duty. <laughs> Cenobite has joined the chat. Yeah, and then and then they would also <laughs> yeah. have to look at their body without eyes, and that's pretty upsetting. Super upsetting. Yeah. Like you see the stalks like out there. Oh, yeah. Cenobite. Oh, Cenobite. <laughs> uh, Moonborn asks uh, Slack Stalwart Moonborn, uh, how do you feel about games released before 1990 nowadays? Despite growing up with an NES, I went through a long period of time as an adult, avoiding them for finding them generally awful to play, but I recently discovered quite a love for a few NES games, especially Ninja Gaiden. I like playing games before the uh, release before 1990 in the arcade, uh, okay. where I am hmm. not expected to interact with them very much. <laughs> uh, and, uh, the, the, you know, I can kind of choose uh, which one I'm going to go up to. Uh, just, just, I mean, generally we're talking about like console, like eight bit style experiences, as opposed to like something really cool and weird from the PC, like back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'd, I'd like to experience them in arcades or, you know, I think that, uh, uh, switch online is kind of an ideal way to do it as well. Yeah. yeah. There, there are tons of like stone cold arcade classics mm-hmm. that were before 1990. Yeah. 
You know, like you're, you're playing like Rampart or Tapper or something like that. Those are all mm-hmm. good games. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, simple, but like super fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then on the NES, like tons of stuff before 1990, like we got a lot of stuff later than they did on the, the Famicom. Mm-hmm. So a lot 1990 is actually like fairly late. Yes. You know, for, for Nintendo games, like a lot of really, really great games came out before 1990 that I think hold up pretty well. Yeah. Um, Castlevania you know, so Mega I'm, Man, I'm, you know, just stalwarts yeah. stuff that like even yeah. feels goofy to like call attention to because obviously, obviously it's good. Yeah. Yeah. Still, still really good. Ninja Gaiden, Gaiden is fun. Mm-hmm. Like those are all all games that uh, that play and control well. Yeah, um, yeah. So uh, generally, feel good about them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think a thing that I that, that that I generally generally want as well is just I I, I wish that the NES remix uh, kind of style took off and became really popular, like even at Nintendo, mm-hmm. uh, as a way to kind of like refresh those and add interest to them. Oh, man, NES yeah. NES remix is so fucking good. It's really like we should we should do a waff on that at some point. We, we like, really it'd be a should. Weird one. Yeah, I, I want to challenge us to do weird games where it'd be hard to talk about them. Mm-hmm. I was in the arcade with Will Hughes, an actual mm-hmm. arcade recently. Yeah, um, because vaccination happens, and uh, you know what we got to do for waff at some point? What? Uh, Crazy Taxi. Oh shit, dude! Yeah, I fucking love Crazy Taxi. Crazy Taxi is so fucking fun. Yeah. Uh, and it's just like, it might be a short episode, mm-hmm. you know, but there's stuff to talk about and there, we could just like camp out on the bowling mini game for like, mm-hmm. you know, who knows how long. Yeah. I almost did that as one of my, uh, the most recent arcade roundup that we did. I almost did that as one of mm-hmm. mine. Um, yeah, that, that, I, I, I never played about. an arcade cabinet of it until just this last week. Oh, really? So yeah. I'd only oh, played it on the Dreamcast. Yeah. There's, there, there, yeah, there's something shit, like there's something like about that specific steering wheel. Like oftentimes like mm-hmm. a, like a, a racing game will have like a real like plastic and light steering wheel that doesn't have like a good heft to it. That doesn't build up momentum. The crazy taxi, the steering wheel, at least it all the ones that I've ever done. Steering a wheel it, that it, doesn't it, fly it, off, does hand, why fly you off while you're driving. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, that's what I get to what you're trying to say. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, no, it's a, it's it's a good it's a good steering wheel that has like a satisfying stop when you reach the when you reach the end. Uh, I, like mm-hmm. I, I want my I want my arcade arcade driving game to be as noisy as possible when I play it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I can't remember how we how we got on. Oh, NES Remix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I want more of that as well. Mm-hmm. Those games fucking own bones. Yes, agreed. Uh, let's yeah. see what here. Is, uh, what does K say? K says. Uh, do you have any favorite instances of real life art, painting, sculpture, etc., appearing in video games? Also, any favorite in-game art? Uh, I'm personally a fan of Nashandra's painting from Dark Souls 2. Uh, it always reminds me of a uh, Jan van Eyck work. Uh, thank you for being great guys. Thank you. Uh, something that I love because it always pops up in horror games uh, is, uh, you know, uh, but the like the like the basic like normie move is to put in uh saturn devouring his, ch- his, his child uh mm-hmm. the cool s tier enjoyer move whatever me you want to do is judith beheading hilarphonies uh okay the, the, that uh, uh caravaggio uh painting famous you'll recognize a b- biblical lady beheading a dude uh <laughs> i was streaming a game uh which uh, called it was called craven manor it came out before layers of fear but it kind of had that had that kind of feel um and i was mm-hmm. like you know i saw a renaissance you know spooky renaissance art and i was like oh i bet you there's gonna be judith beheading hilarphonies then i rounded a corner and right there it was bam <laughs> <laughs> it was like yes 
So it's a good painting, but I also like just how common it is. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of shit, that kind of shit's great. Like I love pulp fine art. Yeah. You know, like you can enjoy not just because you're like, man, look at the brush strokes, but also like, man, look at that cool, badass monster. Yeah. Doing yeah. a cool ass thing. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah. It's like when I was a kid, when I read Lord of the Rings, they had swords. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like literature, but also, man, yeah. they fight some orcs. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, I'll take the second half of that question because uh, yeah. th- those are those are good answers. Um, I've always liked the original art that is in Dishonored. Yeah. I think that stuff looks cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, Keeping yeah. it in the, in the same uh, the same studio, we recently heaped a lot of praise on the posters uh, that are up in uh, that are up in Prey. Uh, yeah, the design those. on those are incredible. Yeah, um, I'm generally like a, like a big fan of like propaganda design uh, from uh, mm-hmm. r- r- from games, uh, propaganda or like corporate uh, like corporate communication signage. Yes. So like um, Alien Isolation, I have a lot of problems with that game. Uh, but, uh, nothing visually is a problem with that. It's fucking amazing. And they have some excellent, like worker safety posters, um, in addition Mm. to like just the, uh, the, the, the standard, you know, media posters that people have up around their living spaces. Amazing stuff there. Yeah. I always really loved the, uh, the fallout vault tech iconography before it got, fully you know gamestopified yeah i think gamified like now you can just buy all of it because fallout is big but early on like i was a really really big fan of of that kind of duck and cover stuff Mm -hmm. you know basically what i'm saying is before it was cool right right no i know i could i get what you're saying (laughs) uh joseph uh asked have you heard about the new resident evil book that is on audible it's called itchy tasty and covers the development and history of every game which one through four i think you guys really like it physical game comes out in a month uh, also did you know that they have resident evil board games forget the company but they made an re2 and 3-1 and are in the process of doing a revision or a version of re1 as well love the show and all you do thanks for the content yeah. uh i have not heard of itchy tasty but i do have an audible credit mm-hmm. uh burning a hole so yeah. that's tempting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have the Resident Evil 2 board game, which I bought when I was on a jag of buying solo board games, but I've not played it yet. Uh, it looks gorgeous. Mm-hmm. It looks really, really cool, but I just have not uh, busted it out yet. I was really discouraged because it's made by the same people. It's at least made by the same company that did the Dark Souls 3 one, uh, the mm-hmm. Dark Souls 3 board game, and I was not necessarily a fan of that. Um, mm-hmm. So... Yeah, I have not I have not looked at or seen those. And I've never heard of Itchy. You know what? Somebody had mentioned something about Itchy Tasty like in a uh, uh in a stream, uh in a, in a chat uh that was there, and I promptly forgot about it. I'm happy that it's here though because that you mentioned it here so I can uh use my own Audible credit credit on that as well. They don't yeah. sponsor us anymore. We're just fans. <laughs> yeah. I I like audiobooks because yeah. like what am I going to do? Yeah. You know, look at something. That's not true. I do read books, <laughs> yeah, right. but I, I like to uh, have my mind occupied while I'm walking around. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> let's see here. Do we want to do one more game question before moving on yeah. to other stuff? Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, Biff Tannen. Uh, it's, it's an honor for you to write in, sir. Uh, mm-hmm. It says, what would you like to see in a Fallout 5? I'm thinking uh, dialogue choices. I think uh, NW versus I think maybe New Vegas instead of Fallout Three. Um, how much crafting, length, location, leveling, etc. Uh, I personally would like a new location outside of the U.S., maybe South Africa, U.K., or Tokyo, uh, and would like a system where the side quests drive the main piece uh, with multiple possible endings. Uh, I want those first and last things for sure, mm-hmm. like a return to New. 
this uh, would be really cool. Um, and or not the, I'm sorry, not the, uh, oh, and I want the uh, side quest to drive the main thing. I've been thinking a lot about like, you know, what is, what does Europe look like? you know, in, in fallout times and stuff like that. And this isn't so much a thing with the later fallouts, but I think the reason why that never happened is because, uh, it's easy to forget that early fallouts were really rooted in Americana. Yeah. I I was going to make that same point. It's parodying a very specific, uh, like America centric and American, like, like America supremacy kind of, kind of ideal. Nifty fifties, happy days, you know, kind of shit. Mm -hmm. Uh, in a way that the equivalent of that in other countries is just so different, mm-hmm. um, you know, that you would have an entirely different flavor and it might not feel like fallout. Yeah. I'm not saying you couldn't do that, but like mm-hmm. a, a spinoff or something might be a better, better spot for that. The, the post-war you know? in Europe and um, specifically Japan, but a lot of Asia is wildly different than it was over here. You know, yeah, not, not everybody got as fucking terrible as we did. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Or even like, even if we, if we don't think about terribleness, just thinking about aesthetics, Yes, you know, just that, that kind of like ironic duck and cover. Yeah. You know, as as mentioned before, like that kind of thing is an American thing, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, so in terms of the United States, like, fuck man, get out of the, the East coast. I know. For God's sakes. Like, uh, they, you know, the no new Vegas is really well, uh, established and everything, but all the stuff they did in the Pacific Northwest in California was in Fallout One and Two mm-hmm. before they could really, uh, you know, do spaces in a way that like felt satisfying to explore. And the only thing that takes place in the Midwest is Fallout Tactics. Um, I would like both those areas explored uh, very much. So agreed. Um, I think that yeah. like it is a shame that Fallout Seventy Six is attached to the game that it is because yeah, like being being in the in the hills you know in the holla in west virginia like that is actually a really interesting area of the country even just like you know culturally yes but also like you know scenically um as mm-hmm. well yeah i i would want them to get out of the northeast can you think of like and you're you're waiting years from fallout 3 to fallout 4 and you think okay they've done like yeah. washington which is all wrapped up in you know like a lot of like founders kind of stuff like all right can you think of a like like a more minuscule step than the one they took like and we're gonna go to, then, gonna go to boston, boston now it's gonna be about the they founders just, they just love Mar- they love maryland they just love their zone uh it's it's a bummer too because it's like i like uh fallout 4 a lot and they go to some zones that are that feel pretty different you know, there, especially in the DLC, but it, it is, it is, was a ridiculous move. Yes. Um, absolutely ridiculous. It, I, I wonder about how much of it has to do with, um, the reason why they've skipped all the flyover stuff is just like weird coastal supremacy, you know, you know, believing that there is not interesting incident mm-hmm. in the Midwest. Yeah. You know, which is, which is not true. I, I think like a marketable idea that I would love to see that I could actually see them do is go back to the areas of the first game and have, you know, the actual consequences of that. Yeah. It's a little bit what they did with new Vegas, but go into, uh, like lower Canada, upper Washington mm-hmm. kind of zone from the first game. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just lit- and, and make some time pass. Mm-hmm. So it's different. Yeah. Um, I think that would be cool. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, moving on to life questions. Uh, Greg asks, 
Now that the pandemic is getting better, I'm starting to try to date again and wondering about the best way to explain one of my hobbies is gaming. Totally understand that a lot of women have very negative connotations about getting in gaming anyone who enjoys gaming as it brings to mind the worst parts of the hobby and many of them have dated loser guys who gamed all the time. But I work 40 hours a week and have limited game time and also enjoy other hobbies. Still worse than my parents who enjoy watching TV every night. Of course, this would be easier if she enjoyed gaming herself, but failing that, do you have any experience or advice in how or when to ease someone into the fact that you like and enjoy video games? I, I mean, I've dated uh, girls, who women yeah. who don't like video games, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I, I'm not necessarily the best person for dating advice, but I think that in general, no matter what you like, uh, presenting yourself as a well-rounded person, uh, or even better yet, being rounded to <laughs> a well-rounded person, uh, is, <laughs> ge- is generally the, uh, is, is generally the way to go. Uh, even outside of like preconceived notions about particular hobbies, which might not be as pronounced as, uh, as maybe you're assuming. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it like, I, I am dating again now and my, uh, philosophy on that has always been like, don't hide anything that you do, Mm -hmm. but also present yourself as complete. You know, basically what you said, like you don't want to ever put on a false front because if you do that, you're betting against yourself. If you succeed, if it works out, you're then putting on that false front forever. Yep. You know, uh, so you want to disclose, like I'm, I'm big into disclosure, uh, and women are right to have some hinky feelings about gamers, not just because of like the fact that some of these dudes are losers, but also cause it's a really toxic culture. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of the time, like it's possible these women have dealt with, like, especially if they like games yeah. have dealt yeah. with gamer dudes who fucking suck. Um, but just being like, you know, I enjoy video games and amongst a list of all the things you enjoy, yeah. uh, I think is the right move, you know? And if, if a woman is like, you know, or a person you're dating, you know, not, not, not to be uh, gendered there. If a person you're dating is like, I, I don't, I had a really bad experience with uh, somebody who played video games. I don't want to, to take that risk. Mm-hmm. You know, that's okay. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's totally, totally their prerogative. Um, you, everyone has their own heuristics. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, you got to have yeah. a heuristic. <laughs> heuristics are the order of the day, man. Like yeah, you can't yeah. and heuristics and spend less time judging the validity of other people's heuristics because, mm-hmm they're really not losing out on as much as you think they are. Yeah. You know, so somebody, uh, I'm not saying that Greg wouldn't be good to date. I'm just saying that like to them, you know, they can, if, if they had that bad experience, asking them to get over that baggage for you is just not a very strong ask. Mm-hmm. You know, you are better served, you know, trying again, like taking another roll of the dice, Yeah, you know, and, and finding somebody who doesn't have to get over that that baggage like it can work in spite of that baggage you could change somebody's minds about people who play video games but don't make that your task because mm-hmm. that's that's a different thing than you're signing up for that's like a job that's harder than the one you want to do yeah 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 so yeah um any any final thoughts on that before we move on we only had one life question yeah yeah so no, that's uh that, that, that's about all i had <clears throat> Um, what does, uh, Maya say? Maya says pop culture question, uh, titling media is hard. Uh, what are some of the best titles for movies, TV and games, etc.? cetera? Uh, and what are some of the worst, uh, bonus question, which is a worst title? Uh, the last exorcism two or a haunting in Connecticut ghost of Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> that second one is good. Actually, yeah. uh, that's very funny. And I love that. Yeah. <laughs> That is so good. Um, uh, uh, 
the the last exorcism too i give it a pass because it's it can you know the the story can be about the exorcism and the story can be multiple parts Uh uh-huh you know it doesn't have to refer to like another exorcism after the last one (laughs) but the haunting in connecticut ghost of georgia just raises a lot of interesting and fun questions i'd like to have answered (laughs) yeah that is uh that, that is a really interesting uh yeah no i i immediately want to google what that is i've never i've never heard of that and it's quite good yeah uh i think bad titles don't tell you anything about the thing mm-hmm. um you know uh you're like watching a, a movie and it's called like you know maximum indemnity <laughs> and i'm like that doesn't I, that could be a million movies yeah yeah. You know, or like when we talked about Prey, like we just did Prey and like that's a great game, but a great, not a great title for a game because, you know, it makes sense, but it doesn't really tell you anything about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I get I get that kind of thing confused all the time. Yeah. Um, so I, I want something that like at least lets me know a little bit about what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think it's a little bit like uh, it, it's, it's basically just branding, you know, in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. I'm terrible at naming stuff, but like you want it to be, you know, to, to, to be novel uh both novel and memorable like i i I have no idea what this game is like i i I just recently heard about it have no have no idea if it's going to work for me but a title Mm -hmm. that i'm all about recently is an airport for aliens currently run by dogs yeah Yeah, raises a lot of questions (laughs) it's it's a yeah it's a good it's a a good ass name for something yeah yeah uh and since we're in uh self-care mode on this episode, I'm going to allow myself to be a parody of myself and say that I think that all of like the Kingdom Hearts naming conventions mm-hmm. or visual novel naming conventions are actually really bad. Yeah. All of the like underscore divided by all that stuff uh, just feels extremely awkward and dumb to me. And I understand yeah. like many things in those games. Other people are just like, lol, it's awesome. And I just don't have that gene where I'm like, oh, no, that's actually cool. Yeah. You know, um, Star Ocean, integrity and faithlessness. <laughs> you know, come yeah. on. Like it does not roll off the tongue. You can do better than that. One of the uh, worst titles that I can think of is actually for a game that I really like. Uh, Vampire colon the masquerade M dash bloodlines. Uh, yeah. 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 All... Just when, whenever you get into like the, like the necessary branding, like, okay, here's the sub name. And then here's like, here's the actual name. And then you get into like star Wars colon dark forces, star Wars colon dark forces Two, uh, colon, Jedi Knight, Jedi Knight, Dark Force, or say Jedi Knight Two colon Jedi Academy. Like, yeah, just when it, when it, whenever you get into like weird branding stuff, making it far more confusing as opposed to being far more specific. Yeah, multiple colons are annoying. Yeah, you know, and yes, you can get away with doing a colon and an M dash, but like that shit sucks. Mm-hmm. You know, one colon, <laughs> two clauses in your fucking title. Yes, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah what, what what sticks out for you as a good title oh um like like uh heat signature and gunpoint are both really good titles just because mm-hmm. the recency bias yeah like they're yeah. cool punchy names yeah uh, tactical breach wizard is a great title mm-hmm. um you know uh monster train is really good yeah uh, it's very direct <laughs> you know um those are all really good titles i think that uh what is it death loop is a really good title yeah yeah for for that game like i haven't played that game yet but that is an evocative tells you what's going on and sounds cool yeah you know yeah i'm a uh just 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 because we're recording the midsummer episode tomorrow um hereditary mm-hmm. is an amazing name for that yeah that's uh, a that's a really good yeah 
a good title. Like titles that have multiple meanings. Mm-hmm. Um, House I've of been, Leaves. Because uh, I, yeah. I reread it all the time, but I've been uh, on the edge of doing another Providence reread. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like the Alan Moore, you know, and that's a great title <laughs> for that. Like, you know, Divine Providence and then also the City Providence yeah. for what it's actually about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. that shit's good. Ghosts of Georgia. <laughs> I love it so much. Yeah. Yeah, the haunting. Connect- I had to look that up. Like, uh-huh. I think that that's that's sincerely, <laughs> incredibly good. Like, what if it had been like, uh, like a haunting in Connecticut, Midtown Madness, you know, or like Trouble off the the New Jersey Turnpike or something. Like, you could do a lot of things with the haunting in Connecticut <laughs> brand. Really like it's a 2013 the- psychological horror film. <laughs> okay. Oh, here comes the Miracle Mile. <laughs> You know, the uh, the haunting in Connecticut, Space Needle's Revenge, <laughs> you know, way into it. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> let's see here. I, I think it's you. Who goes? Uh, oh, okay. Uh, Andrew says, uh, top five, I think you should leave sketches from season one and top five or two and why. Uh, not sure if you'll read this, but mine are respectively. No car ideas, hot dog car, bones are their money, Santa bought, brought it, Chunky, and then uh, second season, Coffin Flop, Haunted House, Blues Brothers, Carl Havoc, and Bob Odenkirk has doubles of every classic car. I just wanted to read this because I knew it would make no sense to anybody. Mm-hmm. And to let you know that I think we are going to do uh, a tier list for I think you should leave sketches because they're all living rent free in my brain. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, so that's where, that's where we'll elaborate on this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, so watch out for that. That'll hit the Patreon. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and it will be for some, mm-hmm. uh, the, <laughs> you know, I, I keep walking around my house uh, saying, don't give me a bad deal or all. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm scared uh, of how much I need wine. Wine. Uh, it is uh, it is very, very funny. Yeah. Uh, also, I'm looking forward to adding you to my list of seeing if you're somebody who understands uh, New Printer and I don't. Because that has been some of the most alienation, alienated I've felt uh, this year. Oh. Is everybody in the world being like, New Printer is fucking awesome. And I'm like, I don't get it. There's new, no new, twist. New, new Printer, the Patty Harrison sketch from uh, season yeah. one. And, oh, I, and yeah. I love her. I, I'm not anti Patty, Har- Patty Harrison. Like mm-hmm. a bunch of my favorite shit from season two, uh-huh. Patty Harrison. I just don't get. I just don't get it. Oh, okay. You know. Yeah. 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 No. So, we'll, we'll we'll talk I'll about it, it there. Yeah. We'll litigate the hell out of it. <laughs> Whether anybody wants it or not, they probably don't. Yeah. It will be for some. <laughs> oh man. Uh, let's mm-hmm. see here. Uh, getting down to some uh, to some show questions. We're at about an hour right now. Uh, let's do a couple of these and then uh, then do mm-hmm. lightning round because we have we have a lot of responses sure. about uh, yeah. about uh, Horizon Zero Dawn specifically. Uh, but Max says I've been loving Orb and making my way through Venture Brothers uh, for essentially the first time. Uh, but it has made me want to hear you guys do another episode by episode podcast as well. Um, are there any other shows that you think would be uh, in the Duckfeed wheelhouse? Uh, for such treatment i think adventure time would make for a fantastic discussion between you two uh love you guys and thanks for all you do oh that, that's a sweet idea i would i like would like an excuse to rewatch adventure time too mm-hmm. you know yeah. uh, no plans but i think that would be fun yeah uh the um uh venture brothers podcast was almost a king of the hill podcast but the mm-hmm. we we did not want to uh horn into uh bob mackie's territory <laughs> yes yeah yeah, yeah. Um, initially, it seemed like uh, they were just doing the season one as a bonus, but then they've been keeping up with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so yeah, we uh, out of professional respect, and then also like it, it would be a different show, but it would be yeah. a thing where 
they're so meticulously researched. Yes. On that network that like, uh, I don't, I wouldn't want to compete mm-hmm. in that, in that sphere really. Yeah. Um, it's tricky because we had to find something that we both like really, really have the passion to do, mm-hmm. you know, like really, really love. Um, we've talked a lot about doing a Breaking Bad. Yeah. Uh, show one reason we haven't other than just time commitment is the fact that it feels like a crowded market yes um you know like a lot of people talk about that show because it's incredible Mm -hmm. um but you know having now finally like got into better call Saul, um i could see that being really really good yeah you know Mm -hmm. um yeah yeah it would just it would uh, you know it would need to be something that we uh you know that 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 is both not crowded right like mm -hmm. do doing a like a meticulous beat by beat of like chernobyl would probably and it's pretty saturated you know you can find that you know it'd be short yep like it might be fun like i i still kind of want to do an unfilmable on chernobyl but oh yeah yeah don't want to do like a whole series it might be a little bit silly Mm -hmm. you know yeah yeah um, but you know, like, uh, we're not opposed to doing that. We have no plans for what happens after orb ends. Um, you know, which is moving a little bit faster than I even really thought it would. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have no, we have no plans for that, but, uh, you know, we'll do something in that slot most likely. Yeah. Uh, Han asks, I was re-listening to the Resident Evil 4 episode for the millionth time, and you mentioned that being the five-year anniversary of the show. Then I realized that episode is five years old, and holy shit, you're about to have the 10-year anniversary of the show. First of all, congratulations. What an awesome accomplishment. Uh, On to my question, any plans to celebrate the 10-year anniversary? Um, We have been, it's been Dunkirky in our regular lives. Mm -hmm. Uh, That would be a good thing to do at Virtual Duck Fest 3. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, which we have just not started planning yet in full disclosure. Um, I think it would be cool to do it, yep. but we have to actually get off our asses and, and start. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was planning, uh, the only thing I know that I had planned was doing, uh, the dispatch that month and talking about it for our topic. Yeah. Cause yeah. big, nice round number. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the answer is that we have one plan and I have one idea and it's been about mustering the, uh, the wherewithal to do it. Yes. Yeah, I don't have anything to add on top of that. You know, I I don't generally celebrate things like that. I don't know. They're mm-hmm. they're just it's just weird. Uh, weird, weird to me. It's not weird that people mm-hmm. do it. I I just feel weird uh, even endeavoring endeavoring to start. Yeah, you know, self congratulatory stuff isn't our uh, generally our our steez. Yeah, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's 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 crazy. Who, who would have thought? Ten years. Yeah. It is, uh, it is really, really wild. Here's to another 70. <laughs> yeah, uh, yep. I, I, for one, I'm looking forward to being the world's oldest podcaster at 110. <laughs> um, and you being the second oldest podcaster yep. at what, like 20? I don't know how old you'll be at that point. Um, but yeah, yeah. it's gonna be great. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Holland. And Holland, you've been, you've been with us forever. You have. Like I, you know, yeah, I've, I've chatted you a lot. You helped me do formatting shit uh, mm-hmm. when I was publishing my books. Holland, big shout out to you as well. Yeah. Your anniversary of being a being a solid bro. Yeah. yeah. Uh, do you want to do uh, Do you want to do lightning round? Let's do some lightning round. Uh, so if we didn't get your question, this was an oops all questions episode, but we still have tons of questions. Mm-hmm. Um, we're getting a little bit behind. We will be doing a catch up. Uh, don't you worry. Yeah. Uh, I'll get us started here uh, with inner party inner party conflict. You asked, have either of you ever gotten into or been interested in three D printing? Uh, every four months or so i'll think oh that'd be neat and then i'll remember oh i wouldn't have anything to actually do with it <laughs> yeah i i don't need more doodads yeah um, i like 3d printed things i've bought a few 
Mm -hmm. 3d printed things that I think are pretty cool. Um, and, uh, I have thought about it as well, but I just don't want it to end up in the closet with like my ham radio and my guitar. <laughs> you know, I like, if it's hard, like, don't do it. I, it was hard. So you quit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or, or just, I don't, I, I imagine I, I spend a lot of time fantasizing that I have time, mm-hmm. which is, which could be better set, served by taking that time and fantasizing and spending it. Yeah. Yeah. Things, you know? But uh, there's a lot of like me laying in bed being like, man, I can get into this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I've, I've gotten to the, the point where I'm at peace with the idea of that just being pleasurable in and of itself. Yeah. You know, that has to be adequate on its own. Yeah. Uh, so, so no is my answer. I also don't know where I'd put it. I move into a successive series of smaller apartments. Mm-hmm. Um, Nick Phillips uh, asks, if you could delete one piece of media, either a game, movie, book, album, TV show, from existence so that it never existed, which would you pick? Let's let's make a ground rule of not doing the uh, the actual sensitive answer and do this in the fun spirit as asked. <laughs> so no answers that are like, oh, but everything gives somebody joy. I wouldn't want to take that away from people and yeah, make the yeah. world worse. What about the poor production assistants that worked on that show that I hate? <laughs> they had families. Yeah. Let, let's not do that because that uh, is contrary to the spirit of fun. <laughs> you, you, you can't cre- you can't criticize this. People worked eighty hours a week to make it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's, let's let's just let's undo that uh, yeah. real answer because that's lame. Yes. Yeah. Um, um I, I i mean i'm just gonna do i'm just gonna do the uh the the, the obvious answer uh kingdom hearts brings me brings me no joy and i don't mm-hmm. think that jokes about kingdom hearts are funny anymore or mm-hmm. maybe ever were <laughs> yeah <laughs> so, it, so, it's, it's kind of bad from all angles yeah yeah you know and like what would we lose one above average action rpg yeah you know that's okay yeah uh, that is that is a real good answer. I find that stuff uh, pretty obnoxious mm-hmm. um, as well, obviously. Uh, so I would get rid of it. Um, in terms of like you know not having that answer, that's pretty tricky because because of the industry that I'm in, like it's very easy for me to ignore most movies and games and stuff. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say one just because it's what I'm feeling right now. But if I was actually granted this genie wish, I would think about it more. Mm-hmm. Uh, fuck a Space Jam. Yeah. I'm so sick of seeing images around that. I'm so sick of seeing Doritos bags. I'm tired of seeing with, like stories about, you know, like individual things. Tired of seeing people's yep. tweets. The, like the, like the fake tweets, like the one that you did. Like, I, I don't understand why, uh, Bugs, Bugs Bunny, you know, came out real hard on the, on the Israel Palestine issue or whatever you said. <laughs> or re- I, or retweeted. I don't remember saying that, but like, yeah. I, I might've done that. Yeah. Yeah. Like those yeah. are good making up things that could have happened in, <laughs> you know, yeah. just, uh, but, but, but didn't, those are fun to me. I, I, th- but. I think the one that I, I think I retweeted pixelated boat talking about Bugs Bunny giving Michael Jordan oral. Oh yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it wasn't about Israel Palestine because <laughs> if I'm going to like it, it's about oral. <laughs> uh, as, as, <laughs> <laughs> like pr- pr- providing and, you know, receiving oral is, uh, my reason to tear, uh, my reason d'etre. Like, yeah. uh, so yeah, that's, uh, but yeah, that kind of stuff I'm okay with, but it's still not worth space jam. Right. Right. Uh, and this, like, I don't know, 20 year media blitz we've been yeah. <laughs> I'm so annoyed. Yeah. And, oh uh, man. So cynical too. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. Stop yeah, it. Grotesque. Stop it. Uh, yep. <laughs> uh, Mark says, is there any piece of media you wish you could reclaim from the memification of the internet? Uh, 
Mm. I, I like the first few seasons of Rick and Morty. Haven't seen like the like the like the last few. Uh, if I if I revoke it from the internet, uh, I, I am not just pulling it for memes, but I am also uh, kind of uh, getting rid of the toxic elements of the fan base. Then I would say, yeah, I I wish that I could. I wish that I could openly like that like show that without, without being, caveats. yeah, yeah, without saying like, but I'm not one of those guys. Yeah. 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 That's a, that's a good answer. Yeah. Uh, Cause that also, it's not necessarily fair, but that also stopped me from watching the show. Yeah. You know, it was just like the Elon Musk stink. Mm-hmm. You know, to it. Yeah. Um, I don't know if, if I have a good answer to that because I don't have a, a running tally of all the stuff that has been like memefied. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, for things I get bummed out when I find out something that I like, uh, turns out it's like super meme mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't know that I have like a better answer than that. Yeah. So for a little while, frogs, like when, when that boy got mm, yeah. frogified, you know, for white supremacy reasons. Right. Right. That was a bummer. Um, and then I was, you know, that happened with Pepe and I was sad. And then that movie came out and I like that movie. And then that dude started selling rare Pepe's as NFTs. So now I don't know how to feel. Um, oh, wait, Matt Fury you know, was, started selling NFTs. Yeah. Oh, jeez, yeah, yeah. That sucks. Yeah. I just, I just, I don't, I mean, I can't keep up like yeah. it, it would make it all stop. <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> please let it all stop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, Mike asks, uh, as we reopen our traveling a bit more, what is your go-to airplane entertainment? Audiobooks, podcasts. I can't look at anything in a in, a, oh, in, in, in an airplane. Can't. I I need to. Well, what I need to do is put in headphones, close my eyes, and uh, uh, just wrap my arms around myself as much as possible, uh, so that my mm-hmm. uh, wide shoulders don't uh, uh, d- don't impede on other people's space, and just try to not exist. Just sit there and, mm-hmm. co- and concentrate on not existing uh, for the duration you, of the flight. Have you considered downgrading to cargo class? <laughs> you mean shipping myself like in a in a, in yeah. a big in a big crate with some air holes? Yeah, like to Abu Dhabi <laughs> or or what have you, where your shoulders won't be a problem and you can't see anything. <laughs> and also, you're it's freezing cold uh, because yeah. you're in the uh, unpressurized. Yeah, huh? Huh? Okay, It'd be cheap. It, I mean, <laughs> do you count funeral expenses as part of the round trip? <laughs> I, I count popper class. I count, I count Potter's Field uh, expenses. <laughs> no coffin, please. Yeah. No coffin. It's wet, wet mud. Um, for a while, I was getting whatever the newest Pokemon game was mm. and using that as an airplane because if I'm like trapped, like grinding makes sense. Yeah. Um, now, though, I don't do that. Uh, I will usually uh, play like a comfort video game. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'll do Isaac runs, uh, or if there is an in-flight TV, I'll browse around on channels and pick, like, a popcorn classic mm. to watch. Like, oh, I'll watch The Great and Powerful Oz <laughs> and see if I fall asleep during it. Fuck it. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I like the I like the uh, seatback trivia game. I'll always I'll play that oh, sure. for about 20 minutes and then start getting emotion sick and then just close my eyes and, again, concentrate on not existing. Prior to uh, Disney Plus, airplanes were my way to watch whatever the most recent Simpsons were as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just to kind of check in on it. Mm-hmm. You know, so that was like a, a go-to, like, oh boy, uh, kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, Joshua says, did you catch Bo Burnham's Inside? What did you think of it? No, I've never seen anything by Bo Burnham. Uh, I have heard people, again, who I who I like and trust say good things about that special. But uh, I, mm-hmm. you know. 
uh my my comedy consumption on netflix uh kind of mostly just revolves around watching the same john mulaney specials over and over uh because i don't yeah, have to focus on them over oh yes of course but i mean like like stand-up stand-up stuff you know yeah i have not as well um even though i've heard really good things i would like to mm-hmm. uh, i had never heard of bo burnham right. before this point uh it felt like he was inceptioned into reality like this yeah. year mm-hmm. uh, to me it was really surreal yeah um and people really like it uh but yeah, i just have not watched it yet no yeah. uh gabriel asks are you interested in the steam deck yes mm-hmm. gary is uh i put in a little pre-order nugget for it oh cool um you know, I would like to uh, have my uh, Steam library available at any time. It is easily, without even any contest, the best games library I own. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's probably true of almost everybody listening to this, whether they want to admit it or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just the idea of having access to all of that um, at any time from anywhere uh, is incredibly appealing. Yeah. Like Monster Train will be my plane entertainment in the future. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think it looks neat if I am, uh, uh, if I have any reservations about it is just from steam hardware in the past, not so much because of quality, because I'm one of those maniacs who likes the steam link or the steam controller. Um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, like, but like just in terms of just kind of support, like getting hardware from valve feels like getting hardware from Google. I'm very skeptical that it will, uh, that, that they will not support it or will not take it seriously. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, mm-hmm. that th- that is not to instill doubt in anybody who uh, in anybody who, you know, picked one of those up because like, I mean, how could you how could you not see the appeal of that? Right. Yeah. For yeah. me, for me personally, I feel I felt, a uh, you know, a little bit less um, I felt a little, little bit less um, kind of like drive to do it because that niche for me. Uh, you know, access to, you know, portable access to my Steam library is actually filled by um, my phone and uh, an excellent, like, controller attachment for my phone called the Backbone One. Uh, mm-hmm. And from that, I can, st- I can stream any Steam game to my, to my phone wherever I'm playing it, uh, to my iPad uh, even. Uh, not with that controller, but I can also do it on the iPad for mouse-based games. Um, and I can even, uh, as a bonus stream for my PS five and my Xbox, uh, series S as well. Mm-hmm. So like that need, you know, as long as I'm in my house, I can play it portably and fuck it, man. I don't leave my house very much. So, so yeah. that's, that, yeah. that, that is the most pressing need for, 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 for me personally. Yeah. I, I, you sent me a link to that thing and I've still got the link bookmarked. Mm-hmm. I was just like, just looking at it and was considering that, but I wanted the, my, my thought was thinking process was literally like, I'm going to start getting on planes at some point. Yeah. You know? Uh, and even when I'm not on a plane, like I end up killing a lot of time in airports. Yeah. Uh, so that was, that was my thinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I don't, no. I, 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 I understand the appeal of it. I just don't feel the, I, I don't feel the need right now. No, I totally get out. Uh, and, uh, uh, the final one here, Andy K two fifty asks, if you were a tree, what kind of tree would you be? I don't know. Hmm. <laughs> Probably an ant. Yeah. I, I don't want to give up walking. Walking and talking is pretty important to me, actually. Yeah. I mean, I like the, the, there are trees that I think are pretty, you know, like a red maple, you know, sure. like a, like, or like a, uh, like, like a, like a birch, like a birch tree is They're good. nice, not pretty. <laughs> uh, yeah. You don't say pretty tree. 
<laughs> you say, hey, nice tree. <laughs> I have to neg the tree. Um, yeah. I, I, I would have said uh, silver maples until I moved on to a piece of property where I have two uh, silver maples in my front yard that have... Uh, several times obstructed my sewer pipe. So fuck sugar maple, or, uh, f- fuck silver maples. You don't want you don't want to be that though. And I'm like, fucking <laughs> <laughs> sewer pipe. Like, you, like it's not it's not about what kind of tr- trees you want more of in your yard. It's which one you yeah, get to be. Which man. one? Which one you get to be? Yeah. Uh, yeah. They're 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 tall, sturdy trees. I would want to be a tree that sticks around for a while. You know. Sure. Yeah. One of the like I I feel like that might be an I have no mouth and I must scream situation. Oh, absolutely. Like. Those giant redwoods might be like literally in hell. Yeah. Um, well, it's it's yeah. like when uh, when Philippe asked Theodore, do trees, uh, do trees feel pain? And Theodore says yes, but in a way that is really hard to care about. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's a, uh, yeah, I, I think I would have a hard time being a tree because uh, they don't seem like they get a lot of incident. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can, you know, I like to, to meditate mm-hmm. uh, and kind of have quiet moments, yeah. but like not multiple days of them. It'd be cool to have yeah. birds living on me, but not squirrels. Yeah, but bugs. Yeah, yeah but like, you know, you you want squirrels. Even if you wanted squirrels, you're going to be crawling with like mites and shit. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I would want to be a small tree that lives my life span, lifespan that's parked in front of a TV or computer uh, that has human eyes and a human <laughs> mouth and legs and arms. So I, I don't really want to to do that i reject this question i do not want to be a tree i take it back you, you would want to be Harold circa fallout 2 now fallout 3 yes yeah <laughs> uh, I, I think a tree would be a, a special kind of hell yeah um you know so people are putting like posters in you <sighs> you know drinking your blood like there's like a hellish existence your, your shitty kid t- ties a tire to you just yeah yeah like ugh. you're just like and even when they're not on the tire you have to lift a tire all mm-hmm. the time yeah. like the isometric exercise of that would just be fucking horrible yeah like god what we should put them out of their misery Is i never that... really thought about this before but trees have it rough this is this is my my this is my captain uh planet villain oh this is your turn yeah yeah when when they have the evil uh captain planet uh-huh. group that they made that were the five evil elements that were like radiation air pollution water pollution smog and deforestation it's not hard uh, pollution <laughs> yeah it's just very very funny to me like <laughs> deforestation by any method yeah is what i represent <laughs> just yeah. negative trees negative trees yep just getting rid of some trees. That's me. <laughs> uh, let's move on to responses because people came out in force. They did. Uh, uh, we had a ton of responses. Uh, and uh, you know what that means? We couldn't use all of them. Could, uh, could, didn't, mm-hmm. could, couldn't feature all of them here. Um, and some of these have been edited for, uh, for, for, for brevity. Um, tons of people wrote in about Horizon Zero Dawn. Uh, just kind of by virtue of things, the what people wrote and what ended up choosing. Uh, uh, spoilers are actually light on this. Like, there's no definitive answers about like what happens cool in the backstory for that. There are allusions to themes though, obliquely. So, uh, mm-hmm. proceeded your own risk. Yeah, uh, yeah. So just uh, just know that there will be spoilers. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll get started here with Eric. Eric says via contact. The moment Lance Reddick popped up, I got so excited about all the glue jokes you guys are going to get to do. <laughs> I'm writing this before the episode comes out, but I'm pretty sure you didn't let me down. Anyway, Horizon Zero Dawn, it's pretty good. Yes. 
uh, Spritz and glue month. I, I hope that you weren't uh, disappointed. Uh, obviously, the second I heard Lance Reddick, I was like, yep, yeah, no, that that's good. That we're going we're, we're to get five minutes in that four hour episode, at least about about Spritz and glue. Um, Father <laughs> I, I'm, I'm surprised that we didn't talk about Spritz and glue when we thought about prey with the, prey. With the, the glue gun. Yeah. yeah, where you and, literally spritz your glue. Yeah, just yeah. all over the walls well, and the walk you, on it. You didn't do the side quest where you had to fill up the septic tank. <laughs> uh, <laughs> with that. Yeah. So, you it's, know. it's funny what you missed. I'm also surprised in Prey uh, that none of us made a, you have uh, you have one hour to move your cube jokes. Sure. That. Yeah. Uh, was, was the, I also, yeah, there, there's a screenshot I took of, it looked like somebody tried to flush one of the Typhons. <laughs> And I didn't make a total paint job joke, but the, the picture looks like 100% like somebody did a total paint job on Talos 1. Oh, God. So, uh, we, we just talked about we can't get to everybody. Now we're talking about this. Uh, here are a list of references we didn't make in old episodes. That's yep. the level we're at right now. Yeah. Here, here's opportunities that we missed. Um, no. <laughs> Mateus, uh, says via contact, uh, listening to the episode was interesting. I missed most of the old world backstory as I found the ruins extremely boring and hard to navigate. I just made the beeline to the quest mark. On the other hand, uh, the tribe's quest never developed enough for me to care. Uh, the second to Sun King quest, uh, being a prime example. Yet despite all of that, Horizon succeeded in one area. It was a great backseat gamer game, uh, for my, uh, backseat game game for my girlfriend uh which made it free conscience pleasure uh for me whenever i played it uh and that alone is enough for me uh to have my fingers crossed for this series yeah that would be a good uh topic episode one one month like what makes a game fun to watch yeah yeah you know and not just play Mm -hmm. or like just talk about a little bit about the experience of watching games because um that was what i used i mean even now like I went to the arcade recently and ran out of quarters before Will and was just enjoying watching, walking around, watching him play. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't need to get in the action. I just like wanted to watch him have fun. Yeah. You know, I used to do that when I was a kid as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So agreed. It definitely depends on the game. Yeah. Uh, Matthew says via contact, we're, we're also going to be a little quick with our responses to these as well. Just yeah. assume that if we don't have specific things to say about those quests and, and, and such, we probably agreed. Yes. You know, uh, Matthew says via contact on the heels of me completing the Witcher three and its DLC horizon zero dawn was exactly the open world action game I was looking for. I did everything I could do in horizon zero dawn. I dug into every side quest errand and pretty petty squabble I could find every time I was hoping the side content would reach the heights of the side stuff I devoured in the Witcher three. It never did, but the play of horizon zero dawn still felt great in the hands. So I kept going frozen wilds was an improvement, but still never hit the highs of the Witcher three base game. Uh, maybe the next installment will make some bolder choices. Choices. Uh, I feel like it probably won't. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that Horizon Zero Dawn really got dragged for its bland quest designer writing mm-hmm. uh, outside of our podcast. Yeah. Um, and I think that they will probably be safer more than anything. Yeah. Uh, with that stuff, or at least as safe. Yeah. Uh, for for me, something that I, you know, I, th- I think I really kind of hit on shortly after becoming a really big Dark Souls fan. Um, is mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, eventually if there's something so good, you, you have to, you know, learn to not expect everything to be as good as that or else you're not going to yeah. be happy again. <laughs> I think, uh, yes. expecting an open world, open world game or like, you know, story, you know, quest scenario design to be as good as the Witcher three 
is is a uh, is going to be a, a bit of a disappointment just like expecting you know the story of any game to be as good as like uh disco elysium you know is yes. is, is going to lead to disappointment as well eventually it needs to be put up on the shelf uh and other stuff stop holding it up to other other, other stuff yeah yeah 100 percent. like the the part of my brain that still compares every set of companions to the torment crew mm-hmm. uh is not serving me yes you know i still do it because it's the best set of companions in video games ever but mm-hmm. it's uh you know i just i feel like if i i stop thinking about that then i'm dishonoring them my yeah. friend to con <laughs> yeah you know? so it's tough uh yeah uh, and I have to, I have to break that as well. That's not, that's not just about games either, but like movies and stuff too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I will still watch a movie and be like, this action is not as good as John Wick. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, who gives a shit? Like that, that, that's, that's like literally the watermark. The the idea that like media and art has to be this weird uh, treadmill of just conti- consistently getting better and chasing higher highs. Yeah. That's how yeah. you get flatliners. <laughs> like that's how you start flatlining. <laughs> You know, can't just keep chasing the peaks. Do you want flatliners? Because that's how you get flatliners. You get flatliners. You don't want flatliners. Like if if the, if you're always just looking for action better than John Wick and not getting it, eventually you're gonna have to glimpse the other side. So, so what I what I go well for you. What I like about this is it sounds like we're talking about like just the pursuit of that in media results in the product flatliners and then the reboot oh. of flatliners from a few years ago. No, we're talking no, literally no. about like the practice of flatlining. Came about underground basement flatlining fight clubs. Yes, like flat clubs. <laughs> flat you know, <laughs> this is your basement. You, you stop somebody's heart. Uh huh. You know. So. Oh man. Uh, let's. See I here. hope that we didn't just create a really, really horrible TikTok challenge that gets us arrested. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did, yeah. that's a Captain Sunshine thing. <laughs> like, just yeah, get, we're, we're going to end up being in like that, like docu- the Slenderman documentary, basically. <laughs> Yeah, we started the Flatliner Challenge. Uh, weirdly, we didn't see it turning out badly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck. Uh, Elliot says via contact. I like, I like sad punchy us. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we're, we're we're feeling better through recording. Right. If you right. go back to the beginning of this episode, we were feeling way more dour, and then like recording is actually fun. Yeah. So uh elliot writes uh i really enjoyed this game for what it was the aesthetic was wonderful uh from the design of the enemies to the way different nations adorned uh machine wear uh i thought it had some great unique sound effects as well i feel the game was very clever at points showing how different nations would interpret old world discoveries uh but it leaves a lot to be desired i just hope the sequel can expand on this uh in a more meaningful way uh, specifically around how indigenous cultures, both ancient and modern, not only have more efficient ways to utilize their knowledge of the earth, uh, but how they benefit more than technological and technological in quotes nations uh, in doing so. Uh, it could be an effective way of challenging Eurocentrism. Yeah, like I think mm-hmm. I think a lot of people had that yeah uh, feeling about this game. Like a lot of like the, the kind of discourse around it. Yeah, was that it, it takes the the kind of tribal. Um, primitiveness as just red yeah without really challenging that idea at all mm-hmm. um, yeah you know and, and with, within the the story the context of the story it makes sense because they were like literally shunted out into this horrible monster world mm-hmm. with no knowledge uh you know so the fact that they accomplished what they accomplished is still like incredible yeah but yeah. it did you know and they, they weren't a an actual you know indigenous society they they had all this baggage yeah but i think that a lot of people wanted that 
<laughs> I could see. Um, uh, I would not hold my my breath for the sequel doing that. Right. I, I could. I could. I could see. Like I would. I, I would like to see. I. I guess I should say. Uh, kind of interrogations of the way that other different cultures. Uh, you know, popped up. Like what they value and mm-hmm. how they shape it. But I. I don't know that. Uh, I don't know that that is the uh, the the domain that they're going to be playing in. It, it's a weird thing where, like, I th- I say that I would like to see that. I don't know that I would like to see it in Horizon Zero Dawn. That's the thing, yeah. I think that I just wanted something there uh-huh. with that stuff. You know, it's like I, my instinct is saying, yes, I want that because it's it's more ethically sound and yeah. it's more interesting. Mm-hmm. But it's just not really the type of game that that was ever going to be. Right, right. I, I just, I want something to be there instead of the nothing. Yeah. That is, you know, at, at the, the heart of the modern uh, kind of world building. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like expecting a penguin to do algebra. Like, you know, penguins are yeah. great. You know, they don't have to do algebra to be to be good penguins. You know, like, yeah. In fact, once they start doing algebra, I'm out. Yeah, no, it's we're fucked. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Francis uh, says via contact. I think Horizon broke me out of my enjoyment of open world collectathons, while Days Gone rekindled it. Probably the opposite of most people's feelings about those two prestige Sony exclusives. However, the consistent feeling of being underpowered and the sheer amount of materials and time spent running around was enough to make me hate my own strategy for open world games, where I try to overpower myself through grinding before tackling large chunks of the story at once. After getting the ancient armor and doing all the side quests, I gave up on hunting and just finished the story, dropping the game like a bad conversation right after. The DLC felt a bit more like a bit more of the same, but featured a few more interesting set piece fights and provided some genuinely uh, more powerful weapons to run around the main game with. The best part of the DLC for me was the quip alloy makes. Uh, to Lance Reddick while passing by the story quest to enter the DLC area. It shows that the developers uh, put a lot of thought into the DLC as part of the game's story flow and progression, but not so much to the amount of grind that was involved. Yeah. Uh, that, that is such an open world, like, hey, do the main quest actually for a while, mm-hmm. is so hard as yeah. a bit of advice, but it's always good advice. Yeah. Um, I, I have the same kind of, of metric where I want to do all the side stuff first, just because it feels organized to me Yeah, and it always sucks. Yeah. Be- because like I main no quests unlock supposed stuff. to be doing that. Yeah. yeah. Like it makes, it makes the main game less satisfying. Like open world games are kind of obnoxious because they give you so many ways to ruin the experience for yourself mm-hmm. in the name of freedom. Yeah. You know, it, it's like half authored and half free in a way that doesn't work as well as it should. Yeah. Um, and so what's funny is like people, it, it, when I, when I was listening to you, when I was reading, reading along with that, I was thinking like, oh, oh the way that I want to do it is to, is to get overpowered and then do strictures in the main quest to, to me, like what that sounded like was cramming for the test, you know, sure. which, which is, yeah. the, which is the thing that people do, but it's like how much of that is falling into, into old patterns because of a lack of you know, a, a, a lack of imposed structure or like an assumption that you're just naturally going to fall into the, you know, kind of like healthy rhythm of playing this, which is, you know, cherry picking what's close and, you know, following your nose and, you know, to, to, to what is going to be satisfying. Right. Yeah. 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 You know, uh, it, it, it's a weird thing where like uh, something I think about is the intersection of, um, recreation and performance yeah and how those two things are in conversation with each other in a way that provides a lot of like kind of harmful tension you know because because a video game is something that is supposed to be recreation but it's also something in which you can do well at 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and there is a, a definitive success condition. So, like, when you do all the side stuff to become overpowered for the main game, you know, you mentioned, you know, comparing it to cramming for a ten- test is really apt because it's part of, like, I want to do good. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to to succeed and perform well. When that impulse, at least for me, is very contrary to the impulses that provide me with enjoyment and fun. Mm-hmm. You know, and the the best games manage to hide that that conflict or work with it in a way a little bit more elegantly than most open world games do. Yeah. So yeah, at least for me, mm-hmm. it's complicated, and you know, I it's I, I can't point at the studio that has solved it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Unsolved problem so far. Yeah. Uh, is this me? Uh, this, this is you. Yeah, this will be me. Uh, Mr. Reciprocity writes, uh, I don't know if I'm going to finish Horizon before I finish listening to the Waff on it. I absolutely adored the first third or so of it, exploring the gorgeous forests of Aloy's region uh, with their dynamic weather and enticing mysteries. But my attention waned pretty hard uh, when that got traded out for a lovely but monochromatic desert, a frustrating to, na- to navigate city, uh, and a whole new bland culture that I was supposed to care about. Uh, perhaps not coincidentally, this was around the time that I really started straining against my inventory space, a constraint made worse by the fact that it is impossible to remember, uh, which robot parts will trade for what, uh, when you get back to the merchant. When the walk dropped, I figured I'd go tie it up, but it turns out, uh, that one of the game's great strengths, uh, becomes a real hurdle in this situation. The fact that most of your power curve comes not from stats and gear, but from actually learning how to hunt the various robot dinosaurs. Uh, turns out it doesn't matter how overleveled you are if you can't remember which tender robot giblets are vulnerable to which kinds of attacks. I know I used to be able to take these things apart, uh, but now I am just pissing them off. Thankfully, someone on Twitter suggested that I just turn it down to easy, and that seems to be working. Yet another argument for adjustable difficulty. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, currently, as we're talking, we're back in game difficulty discourse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> cool. The cycle has come, come around mm-hmm. again, baby. Yeah. The discourse, it's good. <laughs> um, yeah, obviously, just play the game, you know, just just the, the WAF cliche bingo card. Yeah. The alternative isn't ri- you rising to the challenge and playing the game how it is. The alternative is you turning it off and playing a different video game. Yep. So you may as well get your money's worth and, and do it the way you enjoy. Mm-hmm. So good on you. Yep. Yeah. Uh, prescriptivism sucks. Mm-hmm. And yeah, uh, uh, the, the lose, yeah. losing your using your player knowledge and your avatar knowledge not being enough to get you back up sucks and is, yeah. you know, a major a major reason why you know there is you know it, I, I hate when there's a disincentive to putting a game down and coming back yeah. it, it's weird though because the opposite also sucks where right. like all of your you know your success is determined based on avatar strength yeah yeah and not player knowledge like it can be really good and empowering to have the player knowledge be as important as it is yeah and this it just doesn't lend itself well to to breaks mm-hmm. um you know it might like something i think about uh and this you know if i I wonder whether I would be happier and I, I can't do it because of, of the show, but also it doesn't fly my instincts, but I wonder if I'd be happier if like when I put something down, I just left it down Yeah, and I could like eliminate all of that guilt. And like, so I would never have this problem if it doesn't, if I play the first third of something and it doesn't hook me, like Jesus, that's a lot. Of it, had its, it had its a chance. lot of rope. Yeah. You know, that is a lot of rope that you've given something. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and if it, if it doesn't work at that point, like, what am I really gaining by like pushing myself, you know, forward? Like I'm gaining because I, I'm playing it for work, but outside of that context, like it just feels like self punishment for no reason. Yeah. Yeah. Putting the whole damn system on trial. <laughs> uh, Riley says via contact. Uh, the theme that stands out most for me in Horizon is atheism. I swear I'm not wearing a fedora, nor do I think the depiction of religion in the game is flawless. Human sacrifice being bad isn't exactly a nuanced or interesting take. I much prefer the stuff of the Nora. How awful the matriarchs uh, using their social power to shun people for the alleged good of the community is, or Aloy's frustration at being told the goddess is working through her, depriving her of her agency. I also like the actual values the game puts forward. That just because we don't understand something, like the robot dinosaurs, doesn't mean it cannot be understood. The knowledge, even difficult truths, is better than ignorance, and we become fuller people by interacting with other cultures. Also, that none of it is worth anything without uh, caring and humanity, as seen in the final audio log from Elizabeth, uh, or the obvious contrast between the compassion of Aloy and the condescending jerkishness of Silence. Giving Aloy the perspective they did really is what made the character, and by extension the game, work for me. I like all that stuff, too. I wish it was more centered, you know? Like, yeah. You leave the you, you you leave the Nora lands and you you know learn the truth of most of the mysteries behind why you know <laughs> behind the stuff that they worship and you come back to it and it doesn't necessarily make any kind of difference really you know like those mm-hmm. themes are not explored <laughs> really it's not yeah. it's not res- re- resolved um, it is kind of you know glossed over or glanced past or you know they breeze right past that too you know, get to a climax because, because that's, that that's kind of what the game is interested interested in, in reaching towards. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. I also like those themes. I just didn't, you know, any, any kind of work this big is not going to have focus. Yeah. Ironically enough (laughs) (laughs) uh, to, to really work on that. So, uh, (laughs) Tom, the optimist writes in saying horizon zero dawn was something I loved but I didn't have the right way to describe it until Gary described The Last of Us. It's my popcorn blockbuster game. Lots lots of fun, kind of dumb, but compared to a lot of still good games, it's a breath of fresh air. Uh, it also made me hate AAA games. Maybe I'm sounding bitter, but a fun popcorn action adventure that's a new IP with robots was just what I needed when it came out. It still is. I've played through it multiple times the way someone might rewatch something like a uh, might rewatch something with a superhero. Uh, there are so many AAA franchises that are just doing the requisite motions and honestly, um, a nice game to play. God, I can't remember uh, when before I had this kind of feeling about another open world video game. I was spoiled when Spider-Man came out uh, and gave me that same sort of feeling, but that was still a major IP adaptation. Uh, it makes me disappointed uh, in the industry that a bar this low made me feel happy. Uh, anyways, I want a Lego Thunderjaw. I hope you get it. Yeah. You can, you want to build one, man. Mm-hmm. Like, I bet you there's all the parts for that. That would be a fun project. You don't have to wait for permission. <laughs> we give you permission. Yeah. Um, I, I get all of that. To me, the, the IP-ness of Spider-Man was not only additive, but at the very least was not remotely subtractive. I penis. You know? Yeah, the penis. Yeah, uh, I penis. Yeah. New from Cinco. Um, <laughs> the, the, but the uh, the that was even if it wasn't additive to me, it was certainly wasn't subtractive. Like I think that game is way more fun. Yeah. 
uh, in the hands. And if I was the, if I wanted to play a very long game over and over mm -hmm. uh, for fun, as opposed to like a roguelike thing, which is just, you know, how I'm built, um, I would have done Spider-Man. Like I am staring down the barrel of Miles Morales, which I have mm -hmm. and very tempted to do another Spider-Man playthrough first. Yeah. Just to, uh, to hang out in that world and reacquaint myself with web slinging. Mm-hmm. It's good. You know, slang and webs. Look, it's a, it's a, it's Feels a good, it's a good Spider-Man story. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Getting around is fun. That is, yeah. that is a weird open world secret. Mm -hmm. Make getting around fun. Yeah. Do it. Uh, Joy says via contact. I've never been very much of a gamer, and as my life got busier in college, I just let video games slide in priority. At least a decade passed where I barely touched them. Somehow, Horizon Zero Dawn drew me in enough that I broke the laps and actually bought it and an old PS4, and I genuinely love it. I had no idea what I was doing on my first playthrough. Bless easy mode for letting a novice like me survive getting caught on a little island by snap maws or that run in with the corrupted rock breakers or that first encounter with a stormbird, and feel like I'd come on, come out on top of a hard fight. Really enjoyed the story the characters and a sense of this as a living world that hasn't just been waiting for Aloy to arrive for things to start happening. But I'm really uh, commenting to say that this game is what finally, finally tipped me over the edge into admitting I have depression and seeking help. Early on in the game, there's a recording of a, a dead man where he describes his colleagues lining up like cattle in a slaughterhouse to take meds, smiling at each other like being alive was a pain to be eased. I was like, hmm, these people have been living in an apocalypse bunker for years, knowing despair untold. I probably shouldn't find this so relatable. <laughs> uh, and I did get help, and I'll always have a soft spot now. It's also just in general got such a combination of elaborately well-described uh, despair and effort and much less explicitly stated beauty and hope uh, that's hard not to apply to the world we live in. Maybe not everything can be saved. Maybe the world that goes on will lack something, many things, that were wonderful about the world that was. But there is still so much good and beauty that it is worth fighting for. Yeah, congratulations. Yeah, congratulations on uh, take, take, taking that step. I hope that your treatment uh, since you started is uh, going well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and you know, in, in general, like I, the, I did not have the emotional feeling from this, but I would never take that away from you. Like mm -hmm. that justifies the game in and of itself. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh. Um, you know, it just, it's, it sounds like you got a lot out of it. Uh, a, a lot of the stuff that you're, that you're, that you got from this, I got from outer wilds, you know, <laughs> just the, yeah. the, the, the intrinsic beauty worth fighting for, even if you're not going to be there to see it, that kind of deal, yeah. you know? Yeah. 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 Um, uh, moving on to Doug, uh, Doug, who produced that episode. Thank you, Doug. Mm -hmm. uh, saying, thank you, Doug. First, thank you, as always, for an exceptional episode. I push for this game because I tend to dislike open world games, uh, but the cool things about this one stuck with me. I think the drawbacks that you cited are valid, but I tend to discount those as the price of admission for the genre rather than this particular game. Um, I've thought on this for a while and tried to come up with a unified theory of AAA open world games, uh, and here's what I've come up with. Uh, could come, come, uh, come up with. Uh, the formula is uh, the density uh, times ease, ease of traversal uh, times the motivation to explore divided by total square uh, miles of the map. Generally, the bigger the map, the harder uh, it is to make the other factors balance out appropriately. Um, I know, uh, I know this needs polish, uh, but I think it explains why I like Horizon Zero Dawn perhaps more than other similar games. 
Uh, the court gameplay, killing robots and getting more backstory, uh, was great and motivated further exploration. Travel was relatively easy, uh, so that even though the map is large, getting anywhere uh, did not take too long. And more importantly, I felt I had uh, good control over how little or how much I was interrupted along the way. Activities such as climbing tall necks, gathering collectibles, clearing bandit camps, etc. never were out there welcome for me uh, because Horizon Zero Dawn would give you, say, 10 of those things, whereas a modern Assassin's Creed would give you hundreds of them. Uh, that's not to say the game was perfect, but I found uh, that to the degree it had market-dominated AAA stuff, uh, it was handled deftly enough so as not to weigh down the core of what Horizon Zero Dawn uh, does best. Uh, thanks again for your excellent coverage. Uh, P.S. You didn't mention this on the cast, but I wanted to call it the game's score uh, as generally excellent and an interesting combination of old instrumentation and electronic sounds as befits the setting. I think you did talk about the score, Cole. I did. Yeah, I, I like yeah. it. Um, I, I like Check how it, Doug. <laughs> I proved you wrong. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I, I enjoyed uh, how it didn't lean into uh, stereotypically like tribal sounds while still using folk instruments and stuff. Uh, it was it was really neat. Yeah. yeah. This is I, I'm not 100 percent not saying this to pick on Doug because I like Doug, mm -hmm. but I do find it into Like whenever I read a defense of one of these games um, or like a, a lot of different genres, a lot of times they're framed in mitigating factors that make the bad things not as bad. Mm hmm. You know, and and it just like that. That is a very limited currency for me. Yeah. Um, you know, I understand that is, and like, I would agree that Horizon Zero Dawn does not step on its dick as much as like, you know, uh, Far Cry 4 does in terms of checklist nightmares and how boring it is to traverse and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, things like that. But like, it's always interesting to me when it's like the traversal is relatively painless, mm -hmm. you know, that you have to do some tedious things, but you don't have to do that many of them. You know, it always reminds me of arguments for Bravely Default. Yeah. Where it's no. like, you know, you still have to do a billion battles and the end the end of the game is you doing the same boss fights over and over and over, but you can kind of fast forward through them. Yeah. Or like, uh, God, what is the, uh, there's an iOS JRPG that came out recently where Fantasia, big innovation, something like that. Is that is, yeah. Like the, the innovation is you do all of the random battles at once. Yep. Like you just save them, you bank them for later to just mm -hmm. do them all at once. And I'm like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah. Like, I don't understand that as an improvement at all. <laughs> we all played that with Final Fantasy Mystic Quest. Mm -hmm. uh, it was ridiculous. Yeah. You know, so there, there's something to like a defense of a game where it just says like, hey, the bad stuff is could be worse. Mm -hmm. That I always kind of like rankle at a little bit. Yeah. You know, and again, nothing personal to Doug. It's just one of those things that like is a hazard of our line of work. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Um. I don't know that I have that I have anything to add on top of that. It's just it's it's just one of those things where, you know, um, it's it, if the conversation comes down to what can you ignore about it, that ends up being fraught because that yeah. I like that that is intensely personal as well, and like you know by ex, you know kind of kind of by extension on that there are just kind of things that you know because we have opted into this endeavor and you know an endeavor of criticism. It's like oh I actually can't ignore the way that that makes me feel. Like, you know, because it's there to. and I have like, to respond to it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I don't want to play a video game with the idea of what things are annoying about it. Can I ignore? Mm -hmm. You know, like that, that feels like giving up too much ground 
going into it. Like even, even outside of the job, like one of the things about horizon, right? Like even if I had, was playing that outside of for the podcast, like, yeah, yes, the, uh, the crafting stuff is like, and the economy is relatively ignorable. Mm-hmm. The game doesn't want you to ignore it though. Yeah. Like, yes, you, I can put in the mental overhead to just treat that. Like it's not a thing. The game is still constantly trying to draw my attention to it with like pop-ups and loot and the way it ties into the reward loop of things. Like it does not want me to ignore it. And having that kind of struggle, like, I don't know if this is just a me thing and other people are able to put their, you ignore cules on autopilot. Mm-hmm. I suspect that's what it is. You know, it is, is that it's, it's me. Like I just have a hard time ignoring things that are there yeah. um, and other people, you know, this doesn't look like anything to me. Like I don't, mm-hmm. you know, I just, I just didn't think about it. Yeah. You know, and I, I just don't, I can't, it's very hard for me to think about media that way. Well, and you know, it's, yeah. and, and like we're, 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 we're trying to look for a way to kind of, you know, occupy a space and talk and talk about things. And, oh, you know, you can look at it and say, oh, it's just a you thing. Like, no, I just like it comes down. It varies. It varies by the individual, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like it's, you know, could get kind of, you know, a matter of taste. You know, do you have this? Do you have this ability or not? You know, I'm not making the, that like a standard, you know, appeal to the soup of subjectivity. It's just, you know, people have different, you know, we look at stuff through different eyes. Yeah. There, there's something that the, the show is like 100% taught me in terms of like media consumption is there is no counter and it's okay that there is no counter for that just didn't bother me. Mm-hmm. You know, like that is a, that is a conversation under and a justified conversation under. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be, but you can't argue a negative. Like somebody could say, uh, you know, and, and that's what sometimes the like, oh, it's not that bad. I always feel like arguing a negative. Mm-hmm. To me, whereas it's just like, oh, it just didn't bother me. Like, yeah. I, I hear the argument why this bothered you. Mm-hmm. Like, that, there's your argument. That's good. Like, I don't think everything is just subjective and there's no point in talking about any of this mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. You know? But if it's just like, yeah, I just didn't just didn't have that effect on me. I didn't have yeah. that feeling from it. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of akin to, like, oh, you had a bad experience with this game because you had, a uh, like, a bug that, you know, nuked your 10-hour save and you didn't want to start it again. I can't actually can't like counter that because that's yeah. always going to be part of your experience with it. You know? Yeah. It, to me and for my place of speaking on this game, that has no impact yeah. on the art like whatsoever. It, like mm-hmm. it literally can't. And also it wouldn't even if, you know, me philosophically, but it's not something I could argue somebody out of. Right. You know, so um, moving on to Stanley parable responses. Uh, Cinder Elf says via contact. Uh, I remember when playing this game years ago that I got some very heavy Douglas Adams vibes from the comedy. Did a quick Google search before sending this in, and I'm at least not the only one who feels this way. I'm not sure whether the feeling comes from the actual writing or from the similarities of the voice performance of the narrator and the Hitchhiker's Guide from the various adaptations. Either way, I love it. Yeah, no, I think that's a oh. really fair comparison, and it's hard to say, but I think if you talk to David Reed and he would probably cite that. Mm-hmm. as a as, as an inspiration uh you know whether or not that is more so than any other nerd who likes funny and absurd stuff you know who would have been who informed knows? by being you know consuming that at a young age it kind of, kind of seems like a common reference point in general but yeah yes. I, I think that the um the fact that you have the stately british voice that is it kind of expressing through absurdity uh kind of a a, a wide variety of emotional valences let's say uh, you know, I, I would say, yeah, that's mm-hmm. a real, that's a real, uh, hitchhikers, Douglas Adams kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like that famous book, 
the Hitchhiker's Douglas Adams. Yeah. Written by <laughs> Guide. Uh, 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 Franz, or Franz writes via contact, I still remember seeing the trailer for the Stanley parable for the first time. The famous moment where the narrator says, Stanley went left. Uh, and the player stopping in the middle of the room, two options clearly visible. At that moment, my brain broke. Or maybe a switch was flipped. I just stared at the screen, flabbergasted, my mind reeling with paradoxes and possibilities. It was that exact moment I decided to get into making games, an important turning point in my life. It hasn't allowed me to quit my day job, but this creative outlet has made me happier, more creative, and more and a more productive person. Um, as for the game itself, I loved it. It exceeded all of my expectations and I will be forever grateful for the way that it changed my life. That's awesome. Congrats. Oh, that's a nice story. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Uh, keep on keeping on. Uh, Ben says via contact. I was shown the Stanley parable by a friend back in high school. I was intrigued, but never ended up getting the game myself. Listen to your episode on it while sitting at my job, staring at a screen and pressing buttons. It just felt appropriate. I already knew the ins and out of the game from watching it, but you guys inspired me to share it. So that night I bought the game and dragged the computer out to the living room to have my wife give it a try. She had no idea what to expect, but was hooked immediately. We played the entire, entire game in one night and had a blast. It was a lovely little date night. Thanks for reminding me to give this awesome game a chance. You're welcome. That's a also good a idea. Great story. Yeah, that, yeah, that's a really good idea. Sweet. To uh, like, okay, so this is kind of spoiled for me. Can I find somebody who is, you know, is unspoiled and borrow their eyes for this and kind of play it mm-hmm. alongside them? Yeah, yeah, good that's idea. A, it's, a, it's a great feeling. <laughs> well done. Um, and Connor writes. Uh, the Stanley parable is always the first game I break out when trying to show non-gamer friends, family, or significant others why I'm so, why I'm so interested in the hobby. Uh, not only does it show that video game writing can be clever and funny, but it also shows how much the medium benefits from being interactive. I was just recently showing the Stanley parable to my girlfriend. Uh, the only primer that I made was that she would be able to make all the decisions while we play. Uh, the idea clicked for her immediately once we were uh, confronted with the first decision. Follow the directions and go through the door to the left or forge our own path through the door on the right. Sprinting through the door on the right uh, was the first of many run-throughs for that night, which ended with her asking me to show her other games like the Stanley Parable. I'm excited to relive the emotional roller coaster of the Beginner's Guide with her next. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, look, look forward to that. Uh, I would, if I were you, I would set some expectations. Yeah. Uh, that it's not going to be a laugh a minute. Yeah. It's, it's more, uh, cause it won't, it's, it's, it's more an emotionally devastating story about mm-hmm. failing to connect with somebody. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. uh, no, that, that, that is, that, that is good. So it's a, it's a question that comes, that comes up every once in a while. Like, Oh, what, you know, what game would you introduce, you know, get a show to somebody who is, you know, never played a game before or, you know, you know, trying to get them into something a little bit more complicated than, than just like a 2D side scroller or whatever. The answer is always Portal, but I think Stanley Parable might actually be, I think that Connor is onto something because even though Portal, there's like not a lot of pressure to it, you are still kind of like trying to work stuff out. It requires a lot of input uh, for, you know, a certain amount of uh, output. I think that Stanley mm-hmm. Parable might actually be be more impressive for less input. Well, one of the things we, I think that this idea either came up on the Slack or we, we talked about it, but memories mm-hmm. uh, aren't the, a thing. But one of the things is that like, I think that a lot of the cleverness of Stanley parable is in conversation with games. Yeah. Yeah. 
so it's like it is something that somebody could enjoy and it has some things to say about narratives in general but i don't think it'll have quite the same impact if you're not familiar with the trope of like you know in this video game you can do anything yeah yeah you know some of the stuff would just straight up not make a lot of sense mm-hmm. um but that's true of portal as well which yeah. also is like deconstructive yeah so yeah uh moving on to heat signature responses uh kenya says via contact heat signature is my favorite game about messing up really badly then trying to fix my mistakes through increasingly convoluted measures best example i'm trying to get through a glitcher ship to do an assassination i'm about halfway to my target when i accidentally open a door and get spotted i throw myself (laughs) out of a window because i don't have any great alternatives but not in time to stop the alarm so now the ship is crawling with contractors i try a few more times but each time i have to run away because there are just too many contractors suddenly i have a great idea i wait for one of the predators to get close-ish to my pod pop out stick them with a remote grenade since the guards wander the entire ship i figure i'll just wait uh, for them to get close to my target and then blow up the grenade <laughs> I, wait for, I wait for what feels like 10 minutes for the random pattern to finally work out my favor go to the pause menu instead of detonating the grenade i accidentally teleport it back to me Oops. <laughs> Uh, I try again, and this time I do detonate the grenade, but the predator wasn't close enough to the target, so it simply sets off another alarm. So I say screw it and just go in guns blazing, blowing up parts of the ship with breach grenades, using my pod to take shortcuts from the newly created holes, and just generally causing havoc. I eventually get to my target, and he shoots me in the face because I suck at this game. Also, because I'd lost so much blood previously, I die instantaneously when it throws me out of an airlock. (laughs) Wonderful game. Would recommend to literally anyone. Uh, very good story. I just, I, I love the, I, I just, man, I love heat signature. Like the, like stories like that are so fun because just it's, it's endemic to every run, you know, or most of them anyway, where it's like, oh, this is just a roll. This is just a rolling garbage fire, like car crash, just that just keeps mm-hmm. on going. Like it never loses momentum. It just, just blows up and rolls. Uh, yep. Super fun. <laughs> yeah. Good game for war stories. Love it. Oh man, I uh, play Heat Signature. We only got one response about it, and that's fine. But that is leading me to believe that not a lot of people played it. Play play Heat Signature. It's really good. It's definitely the most obscure thing we did this month. Yes. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, pray responses. So Daniela writes in via contact saying the glue gun, uh, despite being a painful backronym, uh, is probably my favorite signature weapon of any game, simply because it feels like it has a use no matter how you plan on playing the game. In combat, raising an enemy to avoid being swarmed is incredibly useful, although it can be equally helpful if you just plan on running away. And then, of course, there is the navigation aspect uh, that feels like the developers took climbing to the top of a building on uh, trigger bombs from Deus Ex and turned that into an intended feature. Uh, that is a good antecedent to the glue gun, actually. Yeah, uh, they can also got lamb climbing. Yeah, uh, vibes from that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I agreed. Uh, Jack via contact, who is the sponsor of the episode. Hey, mm-hmm. Jack, friend of the network. Uh, thanks for the great episode, gents. Prey really made huge inroads for me into the 0451 genre. I think the most lasting lesson was just to express myself in whatever way I got the job done. Take Dishonored. I've always been a treat boy, and I always fell off that game whenever I stopped being able to smoothly do a completely nonviolent run. Prey really challenged me to get over my own hang-up about doing things perfectly, and it certainly played in such a way uh, that expressive play was encouraged. Sure, it doesn't have Blink, but I'll treasure gluing myself inside a room to hide from the phantoms forever. <laughs> and it certainly... Uh, a good part of the reason I just spent a pittance to play Deus Ex for the very first time in 2021. Mm. Uh, congrats. Uh, that's going to be fun yeah. for you. 
It will. Um, it's it, it's yeah. one it's one of those things. Deus Ex is one of those ones. There are any any number of games like this where it's like, man, to see that through fresh eyes again. Yeah, yeah, like a first Dark Souls experience. Yep, so. Mass Effect Two, something um, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. So thank you again, Jack. Yeah, uh, Douglas writes via contact. Uh, this was one of my favorite games of 2017 as well. And wouldn't you know it, it was also one of the, if not the first immersive sims that I played. Uh, I don't play games on computers, so I didn't even really know much about the genre beforehand. Having gone back and played a bunch since, it's clear that I started with one of the best. The opening is one of the best in video games, and it got me thinking of uh, some other best openings in games, and thought maybe you guys could chat about that if it strikes your fancy. Modern games have an edge due to better tech, but both Final Fantasy VI and seven particularly the former uh were some great examples from the 90s too yeah uh yeah those, those are both great examples four mm-hmm. as well has a really good uh intro yeah final yeah. fantasy four and final fantasy five's intro is just dog shit yeah what, so they <laughs> just absolutely <laughs> dumb shit yeah. uh they really fucked up on that one mm-hmm. but four and six are great yeah um, um. <laughs> I, it, it's tough because those are so good that it's hard. For, it's hard for me to think of other good, uh, good openings. I, I, it's, I, it's, I assembled these responses so long ago that I, that, that, that I, uh, any thoughts I had back then are gone. It's difficult because, uh, games tended not to be as cinematic back then. Yeah. So you kind of have to reach into that for that, like, uh, another world. Yep. That intro is incredible. Yeah. Um, you know, just really, really good. Uh, and like the intro to Super Mario World is incredible, but it's a gameplay intro. Yeah. Like I th- it's you know, I, masterwork shit, but it's not mind blowing. I, I was hitting something, hitting something uh, from around that same era, but uh, Mega Man X uh, does a good job oh, yeah. of being like, like that is cinematic and good too, but also it's a really good gameplay one as well. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you're fighting big enemies in a higher concentration than you do in the rest of the game uh, at the beginning of Mega Man X. Uh, and then it ends with the hopeless boss fight, and then you're outclassed by zero, and it sets up the you know sets up kind of the broader, the broader story. Gets you to hate vile. Uh, it's good, like mm-hmm. Mega Man X, it's super good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because of GDQ, I just recently I watched somebody do a really good speed run of the uh, second X Men game for Genesis. Oh yeah, and I forgot how that has that really good intro where you just start like with a level with a random X Men, and you mm. don't get the title screen until you beat that level. Oh nice. Um, as soon as you turn on the system. It does that. Like those games are cool. They they were not phoned in. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty impressive shit. Is that the one so, where uh, where it says like, "Hey, reset the danger room," and you have to like? That's the first one. That's the first. That's one. That's X Men One for Genesis, which gotcha. is like a horrible idea, but at least again, not phoning it in for like a licensed platformer. Yeah, yeah. You know, so. uh, Dan says via contact. In case it wasn't talked about in the main episode, I'd like to just take a moment to mention how much I enjoy the game's crafting and how it allowed for player-controlled power progression. It's not something you see often in modern games, reminding me of how older RPGs would give you more free reign in how you play in their systems, breaking balance whenever the player wants to. I found joy in hurling my recycler charges into rooms, sweeping up all the soon-to-be neuromod treasures left in the wake, and then buffing myself as I saw fit. I'm also the type who spends way too long looking in every corner for lower resources and felt rewarded constantly. Even a lowly trash can would have scraps that would fuel the next weapon upgrade, Neuromod, or anything else I wanted. Because of all of this, nothing ever felt too good to use. I found myself experimenting with different items and tactics far more often than I would in other games. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
we uh, we did talk about talk about that quite a bit, and I 100% agree. Like, it is the kind of game where it is difficult, and you have a sense of privation. But then once you engage with it the way you, you, it wants you to in terms of exploring, you're incredibly well resourced. Yeah, and that uh, I love that combination. Yeah, and adding so much in, you know more intrinsic reward for trash can scrounging is a good uh, mm-hmm. is a is is a good move. Um, as yeah. is having most everything in the environment be an, a, potentially be a resource for you to use, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to yeah, stack absolutely. all, stack all these chairs in the middle of the room and set off one of these charges, baby. Yeah. Baby. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dan writes, Oh, you already did that. Uh, Tom writes mm-hmm. via contact. I will precursor my impending negativity by saying how much I absolutely love and adore the Dishonored games and the unique experience they provide. Prey was definitely unique, but I have nothing close to adoration for the game. I'll admit this is most likely one of those it's not you, it's me type situations, but I found this game really hard to enjoy. I loved some of the mechanics and weapons, big props to the glue gun and the recycling grenade in particular, but overall, something was missing for me, or maybe it was over my head. Even on easy, I felt like I was constantly on my back foot with ammo and resources. I found the objects really hard, uh, objectives really hard to find or work out uh, what they were, so eventually I resorted to a walkthrough for everything. Uh, even then, I was constantly frustrated. It's a very ambitious game, and maybe even too ambitious for its own good. But I feel like I'm in the minority. I put it down close to the last mission and never looked back. That said, I'm super excited to hear you guys talk about it. Uh, and you're one of the only podcasts where I will listen, uh, that I will listen to, uh, discuss a game that I haven't played or finished. Keep up the great work guys. Thanks Tom. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, see, see response to the last question, I guess, Mm -hmm. you know, like I, I also, I thought this game was really hard and you were constantly in the the back foot. And I think that it is rigorous, but I think it is in service of getting you to explore and resource yourself, you know, uh, more than you might and use like your environment. Like that first, uh, the, when you first go into the, the, the atrium or not the atrium, the, uh, the lobby Mm -hmm. in the first time and are confronted with a phantom, like that's really hard. And the game wants you to be like, Hey, I can move these turrets around and create like a choke point to lead them into, Yeah, you know? And and I'm not saying that it'd be like, no, no, smarty boy, Gary, like figured out. And Tom didn't like, it just like whether what strings you see are Mm -hmm. entirely subjective and just, you know, there are tons of games I'll play where I'm like, I just don't fucking get what it wants. Yeah, me to do. Yeah, that that that, that that's a huge thing. Just in, in, in yeah. not seeing what it wants you to do. Um, you know, not not being able to uh, kind of grok the lines that it, that it is expecting you to follow. Uh, you're you're not alone in in that experience with prey, Tom. You know, so no, yeah, T- tons of cranky people in our Slack. Yeah uh bad mouthing prey and then it's been on this weird cycle where somebody will come and be like praise fucking awesome and then it just uh just the cycle starts again of the people just saying it didn't work for me it's bad uh you know in response but in spite of that patreon.com slash duckfeed tv uh join our slack because it's not it's not actually as annoying as i just made it sound yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah promise oh man uh, gordon says via contact 
Although I ended it as an unstoppable murder machine that effortlessly clubbed nightmares like a baby seal, the early stages of Prey were terrifying survival horror for me. I don't know if I missed an ammo cache or just took a few more hours to get into the rhythm, but the Phantoms absolutely kicked my ass on the way to and from engineering. Imagine my horror on on my return to find the previously clear room in the central uh, atrium now had a Phantom just chilling in it. I was ammo-less, low on health, and it was standing between me and my safe zone. Crouching stealthily, I was able to sneak out of the windows at the back of the room, jump onto the hanging sculptures that decorate the ceiling, hop along these ill-considered boondoggles as I'll make, make my way around the creature and get to the entrance of the safe room. I took a flying leap and sacrificed my knees, but survived a crawl to the friendly turrets in safety. The game eventually got too easy for this kind of gameplay to make sense, but it stood out as an incredible piece of procedural gameplay, and I'll be chasing that high for all arcane games in the future. Yeah. Yeah, great, great story. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love that little ledge and those little sculpture that you can climb on. Oh yeah. No, the like, just, uh, the good consistent, uh, shortcuts for me throughout the game running on top of those yeah. lights. Yeah. Extremely good. <laughs> oh. And yeah, uh, it, it, we, we talked about it in the episode, but that early, uh, that early survival horror, uh, air, area, I think that that, that feels, uh, intentional at least up until you get the shotgun, like the shotgun is the first real empowering thing you get. 100%. Come, yeah. Unless, unless you yeah. work your way toward, you know, some badass powers like se- sequence breaking it or what have you. No. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no. finally here, Robert says via contact, uh, a cohesive video game ending is hard to find. And I don't envy anyone who is struggling to tie everything together in a neat bow. Praise ending is the type of conclusion I have distaste for, but in the end it worked for me. I played Morgan as an empathetic humanist, uh, through and through, uh, but one who was disgusted by her brother's schemes when the credits rolled and it was revealed that we were actually a Typhon who'd been matrixed by Alex. I stuck that tentacle into his gut with no hesitation. He'd made a big enough mess already. I wasn't confident that he would be able to fix things and I was tired of seeing him escape justice. He can't keep getting away with it. That's that's me adding it. Yeah. Um, I hate it was all a dream or it was all a simulation endings without exception. They're hacky, lacking in confidence and always unsatisfying. Uh, But the fact that Prey actually gives you the option to say, nah, fuck this, uh, left me feeling pretty jolly as I close things out. Sure, it has a base revenge fantasy that may have doomed. (laughs) Sure, it was a base revenge fantasy that may have doomed humanity forever. But damn, if it didn't feel right. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah um yeah good uh good good little story yeah. like he cannot keep getting away with this he can't you know and he shan't mm-hmm. the, uh yeah, bad for him <laughs> uh, thanks everybody for writing in if you have things to say about next month's games uh, which are sam and max save the world paradise killer or chrono trigger hit us up by the 15th of august yeah tv slash contact if you have thoughts about multiple games, please uh, separate them into multiple responses. Uh, that does help us out a good deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are ready to announce uh, September's games. Yeah. Which, uh, one of which we've already announced. Because <laughs> I spoiled it. Because I don't give a dick. I don't give a shit. <laughs> Do not give an S about the whole Koi Boy thing anymore. Yeah, uh, we're going to be yeah. opening up with Katana Zero. Yeah. Uh, which a uh, patron pick. I'm looking forward to playing that. Mm-hmm. Um, did not expect this to be the, not only the year of roguelikes, but the year of hotline Miami likes, yep. but I'm here for it. Yeah. Yep. Uh, after that, we're doing a, a cool vanity pick mm-hmm. uh, here. Uh, Sonic two. 
Yeah, we're doing it. Uh, we've not really covered a Sonic game since, uh, I mean, on this show, oh, since wow. we did uh, Sonic 3. Uh, I like Sonic 2, and this has been a year that has leaned really heavily on um, on more recent stuff, and I want to uh, I want to talk about Sonic 2. We can go back and mm-hmm. talk about something older. We can talk about Sonic 2 now. Yeah, we're, we're, <laughs> we're finally back, baby. Uh, after that, we're doing a game called Singularity, which I am not uh, familiar with, but I'm super excited to check out. Um, a shooter with some time travel stuff is my understanding, mm-hmm. but I will be learning along with everyone. Yeah. It's from that kind of era of shooters. It was like the, like the, like the late aughts, uh, like post, post Bioshock. Uh, but, uh, but like, I think, you know, pre the codification of everything, uh, mm-hmm. it's weird. Uh, and I had always heard that this, that this is better, that this is better than it looked. Uh, not to like pre damn it by faint praise, but I'm happy to hear that <laughs> it. You know, I I, I think that it, that it'll bear analysis based yeah, on based I'm, on. I'm what excited I to talk about it. it. I, yeah. I love it when we talk about stuff that just like no, but I've never heard anyone talk about. Yeah, so I think that's really fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and then finally, the premium episode for that, which I uh, could not be more excited about. It's another uh, Jack joint, uh, mm-hmm. Jack friend of the show, has sponsored an episode on Darkest Dungeon. Yeah, uh, that's going to be. Uh, I, I'm daunted. That's going to be something that is more uh, in, in line with the uh, with the Gungeon episode, where Gary's going to be the experienced hand, and I'm going to just try not to fuck up too bad. You you will be fine. Okay. Uh, they added in that radiant mode, and it it you can play it like a game. Okay. Good. You know where you, it doesn't uh, it does not require a lot of grinding, and you can uh, get a good you know fight all the bosses and get a good idea of all the classes. Cool. Cool. Uh, there um i have a million pro tips for anybody who's playing that i did a long let's play series on it mm-hmm. uh which i explained that the game is very near and dear to my heart um and uh yeah i will provide those pro tips mm-hmm. to you and for anyone else who wants them yeah, uh, yeah that's not true you don't get to just at me for pro tips but uh, <laughs> you can find places where i put pro tips in the past yeah yeah um and but it's uh the, 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 there'll be a one there'll be a game coming up where the tables are turned late a little bit 100 percent. so like if you're looking forward to me like being the person who put 20 hours into something that Cole has put unconscionable, unconscionable <laughs> numbers into yeah. <laughs> yeah hundreds and hundreds uh it's coming <laughs> so just look forward to that yeah um thanks everybody for listening we appreciate you mm-hmm. uh if you would like to support us you can go to patreon.com slash tv that's how you sponsor episodes it's also how you get to uh, give us prompts and questions for the q a portion yeah. of this um it's also where you put the uh the wrap-up when we do the kind of roundup um, episodes yeah. of prompts and questions we didn't get to. So there's lots of episodes of shows that you have not heard yet. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are not a patron. Yeah. Uh, so go ahead and do that. Uh, we really appreciate everybody who has, uh, who has done that so far. Uh, ratings, reviews, telling your friends coming back next week. All of those are good things. Uh, I don't talk about this very much, but I am going to uh, uh, mention it here. If you are looking for a streamer to watch, I stream. Uh, on a pretty regular basis, basis uh, on uh, Friday and Saturday evenings at 8 p.m. Eastern, I stream horror games, and I am filling out uh, times uh, to do like daytime streams during the week. Uh, just kind of doing a smattering of whatever. Uh, been digging some Power Watch Simulator, uh, but that is at uh, Duck or that is at Twitch.tv/DuckVTV uh, is the uh, channel there if you want to subscribe to that or follow that and get notifications and stuff. Do you mind if I do a quick plug real quick? Go. Cool. If um if you're looking for a streamer to watch, try Markiplier. <laughs> um, he's really good. 
<laughs> I don't actually know who that is. And for all I know, he's a sex pest. I don't, I just wanted to, to do some counter program. Yeah. <laughs> you should watch Cole. I'm, I'm just joking. <laughs> um, and I'm happy that we're getting out of here before the guppy energy takes hold. <laughs> it's, it's coming, baby. I'm hungry. Yeah. Uh, and, and I'm hungry and it's only a, a mere, a mere minutes away from hangry. <laughs> so, uh, it's coming, baby. Uh, uh, I couldn't shit. drink coffee this morning cause my stomach was upset cause of worry. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. So it's, uh, you know, love that. Time, to, time to get the hell out of here. Love that when I'm, uh, when I'm too, when I'm too sick, uh, to drink coffee and then not drinking coffee yeah. makes me feel more sick. And then when I get yeah, more wait. sick, I get more worried, which makes me more sick. <laughs> yeah. It's the, uh, yeah, it's a, uh, it's a cycle. Yeah. Yeah. Good night. Good night.